Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports. With your distinguished hosts, Adam. Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest. And Mike. You know, last year I think I said about 30 people in the UCF, sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Now, here are the guys. All right, we are back. Episode number 176 of the Sons of UCF show. My name is Adam. And as always, my friend and yours, the UCF's number one fan, Mr. UCF Mike. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Doing great. Am I the number one fan? Has the voting come back? Well, technically speaking, uh, Jan and Britt, I think, were the number one fan. But you're you're my number one fan. I don't. That's not it. We should edit this out. Uh, but I, you're 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 up there. I mean, you're you're the Mount Rushmore of UCF fans. Your your face is definitely up there. These rankings change weekly, or is this an AP poll? Is this a coaches poll? Is this a podcast? I'll poll? say this. I'll say this. I defy somebody else to have the play-by-play, game-by-game recall that you have. Like, I, I can memorize stats and numbers and whatnot, but you're the only one I know that I can be like, oh, man, what about that NC State game? You know, you're like, oh, man, third quarter, third and three. Do you remember that throw that got – like, you know all that. So I defy – I will put UCF Mike up against anybody in play-by-play memory. And what makes that astonishing is the amount of beer that has been already poured down my throat. <laughs> Today or just in general? And other, other uh, maybe narcotics. <laughs> How I remember all those things, I have no idea. <laughs> but you're right; it they just burn. Uh, they're burned into my brain somehow. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've got uh, Mike uh, confessing to multiple crimes that hopefully the statute of limitations has elapsed on, we will welcome you into the episode, Mike. And this is a good one. Look, I'm not gonna lie to you guys off the top. Not a lot of breaking news and notes going on. We'll walk through a few things, but. It's been relatively quiet for the last couple of days here around UCF, so we'll talk through that. We got our fun game coming up here. We'll uh, spring game edition. I'll put Mike on the hot seat and make him give me some uh, some answers. Obviously, we have Cal of the Week. And then uh, a fun conversation, Mike, we just wrapped up with Derek Hallman, who I defy you to – you probably maybe remember his name if you followed UCF for a long time. You go back and look at his stats and look at the impact he had, man. He had a really good career, sneaky, sneaky kind of good career at UCF. I don't think he gets remembered enough for what he did. So Derek was fantastic, told some really cool stories. Uh, so uh, happy to catch up with Derek, Mike. And that that's episode 176, a lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah, Hallman was awesome. Team captain, 
And really, some of the coolest years to be at UCF, the brand new opening of the stadium in 2007, the first ever bowl win as a senior in 2010. So he, he went through all the ups and downs, and it was a really nice conversation we had with him. Yeah, wait till you find out what him and his roommate uh, used to used to do at practice to get each other mad. You don't want to miss that one, Mike. But uh, before we get to all that, do us one quick favor. Make sure you're following us wherever you do social media type stuff. That's at Sons of UCF. Make sure you get on that YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button for us. Again, we're trying to get up uh, to a nice number there. We got some uh, some swag to give away. Trace is doing a fantastic job loading up interviews and conversations for for uh, for everybody to enjoy. So get on that uh, YouTube channel and subscribe for us too. Make sure you do it on Instagram. We're trying to get the gram numbers up too. So if you want to follow us on the gram, we'd appreciate that as well. Uh, and a uh, nice little rating review for the show. That'd be fantastic, Mike. That's all. That's really all we ask is you just you know show us some love on the socials, follow us, do some stuff, and we'll take care of the rest. It's easy peasy. That's right. The better feedback we get, the better show we can produce, and um, you know it's helping the show grow. I mean, we're getting some advertisers here coming. Whoa! Out breaking news. Here. Hold on. I don't have my breaking yeah. news sound already, Mike. And we couldn't do that stuff without the fans, without people supporting the show. You know, giving us positive reviews and things like that. So we appreciate all that stuff. All right, let's uh, let's get into the news that's not really news, Mike. Uh, we'll we'll start off here. Um, Gus Malzahn, we we talked about this uh, last week. He had been in a car accident. Um, a lot of details have still yet to emerge. We know that Gus was the driver. We know that the other uh, passenger or the other motorist, excuse me, was a motorcycle. Uh, that individual is airlifted, apparently um, in, in stable condition, but uh, expected to make a, a full recovery. But Gus has not uh, spoken to the media since. Uh, uh, oddly enough, Mike, all of a sudden we're getting Tim Harris and David Gibbs at the podium, which we haven't talked to these guys and I don't even know how long. Um, but Gus hasn't really spoken to, to many people He's still doing, uh, you know, the recruiting stuff. He's seen him on social media, Mike. So we're about a week after Gus's accident. Still not a lot of clarity. Does that concern you at all? How much, I know, you know, you, you pretty much don't let yourself get caught up in the small minutia. How concerned are you at all about anything with Gus in this accident? A uh, little concerned. I mean, we don't know all the details. We know that, I mean, he wasn't drinking or anything or else, you know, we would have heard about that by now, right? I mean, was the accident his fault? Maybe a, a texting and driving situation. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm recklessly uh, speculating. We don't know the details, and he's not saying anything. Um, who knows if you know if it is his fault? If the the guy on the motorcycle is going to press charges or anything like that. So it's still, I guess, an open case as far as we're concerned. We really don't know too much about it. So hopefully, the the, uh, the motorcycle guy makes a full recovery. And it is just what it is, just, a, just an accident. Things happen, and Gus is not at fault for anything, and we can just move on from it. Yeah, I mean, our, our hope is this is much ado about nothing. I think, um, you know, if you really want to play conspiracy theory, the fact that, you know, there hasn't been a lot of conversation, the fact that we haven't seen Gus kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. But, you know, to your point, I think, obviously, if there were more, something at least, you know, salacious in, in nature, we probably would have heard about it by now. But uh, it is, it's is—it's been a bit curious, but obviously spring game's coming up. You, you would expect that you would see Gus after the spring game, uh, at least talking to the media, so we should know more then. But I know a lot of people are, 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 are you know, messaging us, asking us questions about some of that stuff. So that's really the, the latest that we have. Um, you know, I know the police report will not be released, so 
uh, at least not for another 30 days, I think, if I saw Jason Beatty's uh, information correctly. So still not a lot of clarity on that, Mike, but hopefully to your point, everything uh, works its, uh, works itself out for the best. Um, something else happened this weekend, Mike, that I was, I was shy with this whole thing. Maybe you can explain it to me because I, I don't really know that I understand it fully. UCF baseball, we're at Memphis. We're, we're off to a great start. There is a, a home run hit. Everybody's excited. Everybody's cheering. We're feeling good about ourselves, right? Ums come out and they're looking at a bat, and all of a sudden, the you know they, they say you know, they say you know the, the the guy's out. It doesn't count. Greg Love Lady comes like pouring out of the dugout, like hopping mad, and and they're measuring the bat. They're looking at the pine tar. It's kind of a George Brett situation. He gets royally pissed off. He's going after umpires. He's going after the Memphis dugout. He's you know he's being held back. He ends up getting ejected. Ums come back out and decide the actual home run did count. There was no violation, so runs back on the board. UCF goes on to win the game and win handily, but that's not what they're talking about, Mike. What the hell happened here, A? And what do you make of Greg Lovelady's reaction, kind of how hot and heated he was coming out to the field? Yeah, um, it was pretty funny. The George Brett thing is exactly what comes to mind first. Um, he, he was sticking up for his players. I mean, the he turned out to be right. Obviously, the runs counted, so he, he did what he had to do to make his point. He didn't appreciate the Memphis team kind of calling his guys cheaters at some point. And I, I did listen to an interview he did this afternoon with Mark Daniels, and he was talking about you know the, the bats go through these inspections before every game and before every series, and the other team tests all your bats. We test the other team's bats, make sure you know everything's on the up and up. So there really shouldn't have been any discussion about it. There was a little pine tar, you know, a little bit higher up. The pine tar is not helping you hit the ball farther. It's not something that, that's there. The, the reason they, they have that rule is so that if you don't have pine tar all over your bat, it doesn't uh, make a difference on the ball. When, when you make contact with the ball, you don't scuff it up as much. You don't get pine tar all over the ball. So, um, yeah, he turns out he was right. He went in there. He made his case. The umpires then went and discussed it. They reviewed it. Maybe they called the headquarters of the uh, American Athletic Association went over some rules and they found out, you know, he's right. He had already been tossed from the game. So you can't bring him back after that. But um, he <laughs> just, stuck up just for kidding. his team. Come on back. <laughs> and and he, he did what he felt like he needed to do. And I could see him getting upset at Memphis because, you know, they're, they're probably the ones that called for the, the umpires to check the back. Right, even though they had already probably inspected it themselves before the game. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So that 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 has to come from Memphis, right? They have to be the ones saying, "Hey, check that bat for us." You mean the the umpires? I'm sure aren't looking at every bat and um, you know trying to figure out like as the guy's swinging what's on there, right? That's got to come from the Memphis dugout, no? Yeah, uh, it has to be. And you know, give them a credit for trying something. It, it almost worked. They almost took three runs off the board, right? So it, it, they couldn't hurt to try. They were already down five nothing in the first inning. They got beat up the night before with thirteen to three or something. So um, they were just trying to, even if it's just something like gamesmanship, you, know, you can do a little something like that. Maybe you can try to get in the head of the UCF hitters, but um, it didn't work for them. But yeah, that, that definitely had to come from Memphis. I don't think the umpire just came on his own and wanted to measure the uh, the pine tar on the bat. Do you like your love lady spicy, right? We, we, you know, we lamented for a long time that we always want to see Johnny Dawkins get a little fired up and fiery. Uh, Greg, Greg was, you know, he seems pretty low key. I mean, Trace like lives in the guy's trunk. And every time we talk to him each week, he seems pretty low key. Uh, do you like your love lady with a little bit of spice, Mike? 
Yeah, I think every once in a while you, you do need to do that. Uh, baseball managers especially, sometimes they get credit for, for things like that. Um, you know, getting ejected from the game. or um, I, I can remember the 2009 Yankees. They were kind of going through a lull in the middle part of the season, and Girardi did something similar. I mean, he came out and he got fired up, and from then on the team took off and they ended up winning the World Series. Uh, this could be a point in the season where you look back on, you know, the the bat incident and maybe Love Lady sticking up for his team, showing the guys he cares, and that, that can uh, be a turning point in the year for us. Uh, I mean, we should mention that we went on to win that game 15-6. to six. We are now 5-1 and one in conference. We dropped the first one on Friday at Memphis. We win the next two, including the uh, the Pintar game. Like, yeah, it was wild to see Lovelady kind of that incensed. And, and you're right. I mean, obviously, he's sticking out for his player. Uh, he's, you know, he's obviously making sure that, you know, we uh, we and UCF are getting a, a fair shake, a fair ruling. But it's interesting the, the way the umpires handle that too. Like I, I know there's there's challenge there's challenge flags right there's these all these challenges, but to where do they go with the bat? Who do they call? I mean, I feel like we need some answers on what transpired in between that. No, Sundin is out. To never mind. No, it's a home run. Like where where do you think they went? Can I get a reenactment from UCF Mike on what happens when they leave the field and when who they talk to and what they say? They all gather around and they say. Does anybody actually know the rule here? And the one, the first base umpire looks at the second base umpire. And he shrugs his shoulders. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Third base umpire says, oh, "I think I got the rule book in my trunk." All right, all right, run out to the car. Run out to the car and get the uh, rule book. We'll all review it. Uh, what page would it be on? I, I don't know. I haven't looked over this thing since last offseason. Then you know, they, one of them goes, "Oh, you know what? Let's just call the commissioner and see what he thinks." All right, so we call up Oresco. Oresco, wow. Oresco's <laughs> too busy. He's napping, right? He wasn't. Maybe somebody else. That's in charge of the baseball rules. Who, who do we got in the office there? All right. All right. And then they explained the whole situation to that guy. And the guy said, the guy hit a ball 385 feet. Just count it as a home run and move on. Uh, give him a warning. Tell him not to put too much more pine tar on the bat. But uh, home run stands. Uh, oh, you already kicked Love Lady out of the game? Yeah, there's nothing you could do about that. Did he, did he say the uh, – did he call you uh, you know, the, the word you're not supposed to say? Uh, uh, yeah, he did say that. Not directly to me, but he said it to the other coach. All right, he's still got to go. But uh, home run counts, resume the game as, as he said. <laughs> nice. I'm glad, exactly they, what I'm glad they didn't call it Resco because I imagine he doesn't like us anyway, right? And Memphis is staying. We're going. I imagine that that would have been – somehow we would, we would have lost more runs if uh, Resco had picked up the phone. <laughs> yeah, probably. We probably would have lost the night before. <laughs> you know what? Last night's game, any game this kid's played in with his bat has now been forfeited by UCF. It was a wild scene. It it made the rounds on social media. It was on all kind of the uh, the, the sites and, and all the sort of the funnier accounts on Twitter throughout the weekend. But, I mean, again, we, we always say that we want to see our coaches stand up for players. We lament Johnny Dawkins for, you know, we always want him to lose his mind and, you know, tell an official something and show some passion and energy. Well, we certainly got that out of Greg Lovelady. And not to mention, Mike, we get the win. We're 5-1 and one in conference now. Uh, so through th- uh, through th- uh, three series being five and one, I think you would uh, you take that all day every day from a baseball standpoint. Absolutely, all you got to do is win series. You win two out of three every weekend, you will be in very good shape. Now, Memphis is not one of the better teams in the conference, and the Cows haven't been playing well either. But those are the games you have to win. You can't lose those series. And then when it comes to the tougher ones, you know you, you got to battle and still if you can win two out of three. You take that every single time, doesn't matter who it is. And then every once in a while, you throw a sweep in there. All of a sudden, you're looking at the top of the stand. 
Hopefully that, uh, that holds true, Mike. Uh, basketball front, not a lot of news. Uh, women's basketball has been relatively quiet, uh, so no announcement yet on coaching staff or, or players. Uh, we did uh, learn, uh, no surprise, Diamond Battles is also heading to Georgia with Coach Abe. So I know last week, Mike, you and I talked about Coach Tia Messer and could she recruit Diamond Battles to come back to UCF? Apparently the answer to that question is no, but uh, obviously some recruits still out there. We'll see what happens. Men's basketball, same, not a lot of news on that front. A couple of prospects UCF is after, but uh, nothing has been sort of finalized or announced yet. But uh, it, that should heat up here in a little bit. Obviously, um, um, uh, the what spring semester is ending soon for colleges. So if uh, any players on either team are going to get into the portal, they would probably do so after that. So we'll see. We'll see how that checks out, Mike. But that leaves us with football and probably the biggest topic we'll discuss here off the top of the show. We are now exactly uh, six days away as you and I talk from the spring game, Mike. UCF wrapped a couple of practices over the last couple of days. And uh, we, we've heard and seen some some highlights. Uh, UCF social media putting some highlights out there. We saw a pretty long John Rice Plumley run. It was initially stated by Matt Lee that was 80 yards, more more like 60 yards based on uh, what UCF says. We saw a couple of goal line uh, stands. We saw an interception uh, on the goal line. Uh, so we've seen a bunch of things on uh, on social media. We've seen a couple of uh, clips of quarterbacks throwing the ball four or five yards at a time. And that's pretty much all we got, Mike. So one week away from spring game. Um, how excited are you, buddy? This is this is it. We've been waiting for this for the entirety of spring. And after this, we got nothing for a long time. So how, how jazzed up are you about spring game? Well, I'm excited because people are actually going to see in game situations how these guys are going to going to perform. Not just a clip here and there, which the, the ones that they've released – I got to tell you, Mikey Keene's still in the lead. I saw him throw a beautiful wheel route to Mark Anthony Richards mm-hmm. for a touchdown, and then I saw Plumlee throw an interception at the goal line, <laughs> which is something you can't have. And that ball had no chance of getting to the receiver. So that was just an ugly throw. But then you mentioned the long run that he has, and obviously he has that capability to break one at any time. So that's what you're going to have to balance if you're Gus. And and if you're Gus, you're definitely not going to come out of the spring with a set depth chart, right? We're, none of us are going to know who the starting quarterback is six days from now, are we? I don't believe so. So don't if you're if you're thinking we're going to see a depth chart at the end of this, just don't hold your breath. Well, hold on. Okay? Whoa, are you breaking news here? You mean they're not going to put a depth chart up on the big screen at the bounce house after the game's over? We're not going to know. No. We're oh, not gonna. great! Cancel my ticket. <laughs> we're not going to know. But, you know, I will give some guys like Cossack Advisor to get out there and give his analysis. You know, um, Trace, if he's out there. Oh, no, actually, Trace is going to be out of town, right? Yeah, Trace, Noah, Stein, Key. But you got uh, Beattie and Helwig and all those guys. They're going to be <clears> – now they're able to, to post full-length videos. You know, maybe a, a whole series, maybe a whole drive. We can analyze those things instead of just a couple of warm-up passes. <clears throat> um, yours truly, by the way. I'll be out there. <clears throat> oh, there you go. All right, so <laughs> – can you just uh, – how about you FaceTime me and I can watch the game through your phone? That's fine. I'm not promising sobriety, uh, nor will I be anywhere near any sort of press event or availability. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what you what you can see, Mike, because certainly, I, to your point, you're not going to probably definitively know what Gus is thinking. 
if somebody plays bad, it'll be easy to say, whoa, so-and-so played terrible. And if somebody plays really good, right, it'll be easy to say so-and-so played really good. I think back to last year's spring game, um, despite the fact there was like 9,000 degrees outside there, Ryan O'Keefe jumped off last year. He made a bunch of plays in the passing game. Probably should have been something we all said, hey, I bet you O'Keefe's going to be a real monster player for this year. Turned out that's that's the thing, right? Uh, last year was way different because we knew we had Dylan Gabriel. It was more like who was the second string quarterback. And at the time, we were all like Mikey Keene made a lot of plays. Uh, you know, He seemed to be a little bit ahead of Parker Navarro at that point in time, which I guess was really the competition. So you, you'll probably see some of that stuff, but I, you're not going to know for sure who's going to be what it's going to be more about some of the some of the you know plays in the margins you know some of the you know the, I'm gonna say the fringe but some of the who's going to be the third tackle or the second tight end that kind of thing I think that'll be decided Mike which I'm glad I brought that up because it brings me the opportunity to present to you our game for this show we have a new game not a new game but it's the same game we always play but a new game for this show Mike I, I, I told you in the write-up it would be charge on charge off I lied to you Mm-hmm. I'm sorry about that. You renamed it? We're Rebranding? At, we're actually going to play fill in the blank. So I'm going to give Ooh. you a statement. And here, I know, I know. And you've had those beers you talked about earlier, but we're going to play fill in the blank. So I'm going to give you some spring game-ish related statements. And uh, you can fill in the blank. You ready for this? Well, this requires a little more work out of me. I charge I on, charge so. off. The answers are already there. I just got to circle A or B. Yeah. Now I have to be more creative and actually you might. fill in a blank. Yeah, but it, it's, it's kind of the same. It's just really I'm giving you the answer you, you give me. It's like Jeopardy. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's the first fill in the blank. Blank will be the breakout player in the spring game on offense. Whew. All right, so every year – we come out of the spring game and we say, man, this guy really turned some heads. A few years ago, it was Greg McRae mm-hmm. before he had his breakout year. You mentioned Ryan O'Keefe this past uh, last year coming in. Um, so who on offense is going to have that day? Now, you know it's not going to be Bowser. Bowser, if anything, probably won't even touch the ball in this game. Um, one of the quarterbacks, possibly. Um, I would say... You know, give me one of the the receivers that wants to make a, a big splash here. But at the same time, now we don't know who's throwing the ball. Who's the quarterback when they're out there? Is, is Plumlee even going to be allowed to throw him the ball? So big questions we got to ask ourselves. Allowed to? Bring me back, <laughs> He's brings gonna... me back to the running backs. Okay. Brings me back to the running backs. And I'm going to settle in on Mark Anthony Richards. Wow, Mark Anthony Richards. That's an interesting uh, guess. I I did the same. I, I settled in on a running back because last year R.J. Harvey got a ton of carries, and he was the guy that we kind of came out of spring ball saying, "Hey, he 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 may he may be sort of the best running back." We weren't sure about Bowser at that point. Uh, I think Bentavious had not yet left the team, so uh, but we thought he would he'd be there, and so R.J. Harvey was the guy. I agreed with you, Mike. I stayed running back. I went Johnny Richardson though. Uh, because he's going to get a bunch of touches. Obviously, we kind of know, but he's also the kind of guy, he may make one cut and break something like 80, 90 yards, right? He, d- he made a huge run last year in the spring game. Not that Mark Anthony can't do that, but I think the big playability, you know, they may give him some sort of a swing pass that he sort of takes the, the distance. So give me, even though we kind of already know he's, he's kind of broken out, I think we're all wondering, will he be able to take that next step and become uh, a more reliable every down back? So I went Johnny Richardson kind of breaking out and establishing himself as that number two running back because that's really a, an open question coming into the spring game we all know it's it's bowser you know an rb1 
who's who's next in line for carries does it matter situationally or will it be anybody so looks like you and i are on opposite sides of this you got mark anthony richards i got johnny richardson yeah i mean if you're asking me who's going to be that number two back during the season next year i got to go with johnny richardson we forget johnny richardson actually was the leading rusher on this team last year yep. and a lot of that has to do with bowser missing a few games but his yards per carry were higher than bowser too so i I, I like what you're thinking there with Richardson, but I'm also thinking the same thing. He's not going to get as many touches, sure, yeah. I don't think, That's in fair. this game. I think you see a lot more of the backup guys. Uh, so give me Richards to have the biggest day on that. He's an intriguing one, though, Mike, because we saw when he was at his best, we saw the East Carolina game, how well he played. Uh, I think it was at the SMU game. He was really the only one who showed up for a period of time there offensively. He's an intriguing prospect. We basically heard last year he wasn't completely healthy for a lot of the season. Um, he's an intriguing one. I'm, I'm curious to see how he plays as well. So, all right. So you've got one under your belt. Here's the next fill in the blank question. Blank will be a defensive player who makes a big play during the spring game. Ooh. All right. Well, we just saw Marco Domio intercept Plumlee at the goal line, right? That's a big play. We did, yeah. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be one of these secondary guys. I think – I hate to say that, but I think we're probably going to see a couple more turnovers in this game. Give me our guy, Justin Hodges. You Ooh, know how I always okay. pull for this guy? Yeah. Local kid out of Weston here. So give me Hodges to come away with an interception at some point. It's a good one. This is a tough one because you also think through um, the, the name I want to say, but I just don't know if he'll get a chance. Is Josh Ellisgar because I think he can make a, you know make a play around the edge, get to the quarterback. But are the quarterbacks all going to be live? Can he hit anybody? I think that's still TBD. They were live for the scrimmage recently, um, so if they're alive again, you know I don't think he's going to hurt anybody, right? But I think he can you know he can disrupt the the defense. So. I kind of need to know that caveat before before I can answer that. I think Seliscar would be the name I was thinking about going with. Um, but if that's not going to work, and if I can't use Seliscar from that that standpoint, um, so th- again, the question is who's going to make a big play, not who's going to be sort of a breakout player. So it could be somebody we already know about. Um, so I, th- I think with that backdrop, Mike, I'm going to go I'm going to go Devod Wilson. I'm going to go Devod Wilson. I think he, you know, again, he's, he, you know, he saw, we saw an interview with him where he's kind of playing some different positions this year. Um, he's playing a little bit more nickel. Um, so we'll, we'll see kind of how that impacts him. But I, I think Devod Wilson, we know he likes to be around the ball, likes to make plays. So Seliscar would be 1A. But if I can't have live quarterbacks, that really hurts my choice. So then I'll go with Devod Wilson 1B. This is a big year for Wilson. Uh, we saw last year he's not shy, not shy around the cameras. But he's going to be one of the guys that you expect to be the leader on this defense. So to have a big spring game to set the tone, I think, would be huge for him. I think Seliscar, too. I mean, uh, it's funny. You mentioned Costag Advisor earlier. Everyone was freaking out a while back about uh, about a play. I think it was a Mikey Keene interception. And, and what everyone failed to realize was Seliscar was basically, like, you know, in his face, you know, with, with QB pressure. So uh, a, a lot of people are raving about what they've seen from Seliscar and some of the practices that you're able to look at. I think, you know, we talked about who's going to step up next year and be that, you know, that 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 threat to, to really pressure the quarterback and uh, and make the pocket move a little bit. I think seliscar has got all the tools, Mike. I'm cur- I'm really, really curious. I don't know if we'll see it in the spring just based on the, the format, but he, he, to me, I'm not, I'm not saying he's my breakout player of the year so far, but I'm not saying he's not. He was also the guy in the Plumlee video that got pressure on him to force him to, to run. Missed and he ended up breaking the touchdown. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, Sellers Carr's from his fir- very first game yeah. at Georgia Tech a couple yes. years ago. Yep. Always around the ball, right? He's always making an impact, recovering fumbles, tipping the ball in the air. So, I, yeah, I expect him to be the guy on the defensive line now to really start taking charge. All right, next one. Blank is the newcomer I'm most excited to see play in the spring game. Blank is the newcomer. All right. Now, can we go? <laughs> I don't know how excited I am. But for the special teams, mm-hmm. kicker, mm-hmm. Colton Boomer. Okay. You, you can get, be excited about that, yeah. If, if this kid comes out there and nails a couple 45-yard field goals, I may get a little excited. You know, if I see him kicking the ball through the back of the end zone on every kickoff, that'll get me a little excited. So I know it's not a uh, flashy position, but it's something that we've been lacking the last couple of years. Or, hey, if you even want to say Obarski. To answer this question, I'm fine with that too. Give me a kicker with confidence. It's not a newcomer, though. By the way, oh, a newcomer. Okay, so yeah. no, so I, I don't want to say. All right, so then, yeah. <laughs> so then, um, yeah, give me Colton Boomer, newcomer. Can he come in and take this job his first year, or is he going to be uh, backing up here? And this was a trick question. I was for sure you were going to say Castellanos. Uh, as the newcomer that you were excited to see. I was for sure I was going to bait you into a Castellanos answer here. Uh, he went off the board on me with uh, with Colton Boomer. Uh, so I have to adjust my answer, although I don't think I will. Um, I'm, I had two written down here. I think I'll go with Kamor Gamble, uh, who is the tight end uh, transfer from Florida. We saw, obviously, the tight end position last year. We didn't get a ton of productivity outside of Alec Holler. He, he kind of really emerged as our main tight end threat. You know, I don't think Kamor Gamble came here to block uh, 60 plays a game. So you got to assume at some point UCF's going to try to find ways to get him in the passing game. Don't know if we'll see that in the spring. Don't know how much of that will be on display. But I, I'm really curious to see what kind of wrinkle he adds into the offense. Assuming we live in a world where Mikey Keene is our quarterback, um, you know, a, a quarterback's best friend is a safety valve over the middle. If that could be Kamor Gamble for six, seven yards, uh, somebody who can, you know, he can kind of throw the ball to to get out of trouble. Um, so I'm really curious to see how we integrate him in the offense. We know we have speed on the outside with Keith and Jalen. We know we have good running, uh, you know, with uh, with all the guys we mentioned earlier. We know the line is kind of coming together. Um, give me Kamor Gamble. I'm really curious to see how he fits in the offense. Yeah, he could be a big weapon for us there in the middle of the field. You know, don't sleep on Alec Holler. He, he I'm not sleeping. A, no, I'm, a, I'm wide awake on Alec Holler. Wide awake. <laughs> yeah, nice end to the season specifically. Even the Florida game and the last couple games of the year, he, he did some nice things. So I think the tight end production is going to increase this year. Gamble is going to be a big part of that. Uh, Castellanos, that, that is a good one to mention there because though we don't expect him to be the starting quarterback this year, we do. I do want to see a couple of you know plays where he dazzles us or does something mm-hmm. to grab some attention because we've heard about it in practices. So if he can do that in a game situation, that'll just rile up the fans even more. I'll give you a reprieve on this one, then, Mike. Here's your next one: the quarterback with the most touchdown passes during the spring game will be blank. Oh, most touchdown passes. I said passes. Yeah, I said one. passes. Right. I know, but at the same time, I mean. You don't know how the game is playing out. Somebody he throws a pass and the guy gets tackled at the two yard line, and all of a sudden they're handing off. Well, probably not Bowser, but you're handing it off to a running back. It's hard to tell. Um, but if I had to guess, give me Mikey King. 
Mm, okay. King Kong. I mean, he's going to throw a couple of touchdown passes and then maybe be done for the day. Or how long does uh, Mount Vaughn let these guys play? Is, Great question, yeah. Is the real question, too. I mean, if he need, feels like he needs to see more, he, he's, he's really torn on what's going on here. He may let these two guys go at it for longer than typically a starting quarterback would play in a spring game. So that'll be an interesting thing to keep your eye on, too. How, how long do these guys play in this game? Keen and Comer. All right. I'll I'll change the question for you for a second. John Rice Plumley will throw a blank number of touchdown passes in the spring game. Uh give me one. Okay. You know, I, I don't want to say he's gonna get shut out. Give me one. Give me he's I will say he's definitely gonna run one in at some point. But um so maybe a couple touchdown performance. No, I really wanna see is him not turn the ball over. We've already heard about it too much in this yeah. spring camp. If he can go out there and have a clean game, and whether he throws a touchdown or not doesn't really bother me, but if he can go out there, no interceptions, move the chains, and if he wants to run one or two in, that's beautiful too. But just take care of the football. You kind of answered this one earlier, so you take the fun away from me. Blank will make the most kicks and extra points during the spring game. <laughs> um, was it just the two-horse race here too? I mean, there are other kickers. Darren Boniel's on the roster still, I think. uh, I mean, there are other options, I suppose, but I imagine it's going to be just those two. All right. I got to think that Obarski's going to get the bulk of the work early in this game, right? So if he's considered the starter, the incumbent starter coming into the season, maybe they let him do all the kicks in the first half. Um, So let me – I'll say that he hits his kicks. Uh, Okay. I want to get on the right foot here with Obarski. Okay. Well, no pun yeah, I'm sure that wasn't you. Um, all right. The most important thing that you want to see in this spring game is blank. Cool. Um, yeah, I want to see an offense that looks like it's running on all cylinders. You know, uh, moving the chains, keep nice long drives. Moving the ball up and down the field, even though that doesn't say much for the defense. So, <laughs> how are they going to do it? They're going to have the starters versus starters, or they have the first string offense against the second string defense, and vice versa. I'm not sure. I think last year was ones v ones for a while, at least. I think it was one v one. All right. So, I mean, as much as I want to see the offense go up and down the field, I also want to see a defense shut them down. So I don't know who do you who do you root for in this game. When you go to this game, yeah. you're rooting for So points? here's the problem. Now you're, you're just for- killing the game because the next question was in the spring game, I'm rooting for blank. <laughs> so now, <laughs> now you're just now you're just killing my game here. That's a fair question though. Is yeah, you see an 80 yard touchdown pass and you're like, oh my god, look at that, and then you realize it was our own DB who got burned, right? So you're you're really playing with fire either way. Really, you want like a three to three slobber knocker, uh, you know? I guess in the end, but. That's why I'm, so I'm curious. Where do you think we need to see the most um, I, I know, development, growth, whatever that word for you would be? We, we it feels like we and you you correct me if if you think um, you feel different. We feel better about what the defense can do. We saw sort of the kind of defense we we had, even though we've got some moving parts. I feel like most people would feel more secure about what you know of the defense versus what you know about the offense. So my thinking would be people want to see how the offense kind of runs and moves, but I don't know. I mean, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you feel you have less questions about what the defense can do? 
Um, I don't consider our – I mean, our defense was good last year and it was getting better, but I don't consider it a top-notch defense, one of the best defenses we've ever had. I mean, we're losing some key parts of that defense, uh, Big Cat Bryant, Khalil Davis, those guys. So I, I expect our offense should be able to move the ball a little bit. Now, I think defense is usually ahead of the offense in the spring, so maybe that will even things out a little bit. But, um, uh, you know, I'm going to root for the offense to, to put up a couple of touchdowns, but defense to not embarrass themselves. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I guess I'm rooting to see, what. to your point, I think last year's offense, especially down the stretch, and yes, we had a lot of injuries, like – I mean, it looks super constipated at times where, I mean, we were winning games like 16-13 in 2013, and, you know, the defense kind of held some things in check, and we just made just enough plays where we could, you know, eke out wins. I want to see us have more control of the offense, be able to put up drives to score points when we have to, and and not not look as out of sync or as if we're not necessarily – um, able to throw a full a full arsenal of plays out there. So I don't know if that answers the question. I just want to see more of the offense, and I think the offense we thought we were going to see and not sort of that constipated, everybody's injured, and we have a true freshman version that we saw end the year. Although, to be fair, offense was a lot different, you know, playing Florida. Um, but I, I, I want to see, have we, have we unblocked the constipation? All right. Yeah, more smooth flow from the offense, I, I can see. Maybe even pick up the speed a little bit. I want to see how they do in the red zone. I want to see how they do in the two-minute drill, things like that. And then a, a most important thing, I think we say this every year, uh, no injuries, right? I mean, I'd love to see nobody get ser- seriously hurt, uh, you know, or nobody get really banged up. I mean, it's football, people are hitting each other. There's going to be nicks and bruises. But I, I think, obviously, the most important thing is is not to, to see any injuries. Uh, but, again, I also think it's how the offense gels together. But we say this every year in the spring game, nobody get hurt, you know, injury-free, nobody take a risk on anything. Uh you know, we talked to Derek Hallman a little bit about, you know, guys having an unwritten code of taking care of each other. Um, hopefully that, that holds true and we're not talking about some some stupid injury or something that took place during the spring game. Yeah, it's a tricky situation because you guys got – you have guys that are trying to make a name for themselves, guys that are, are trying to earn their starting spot on their roster. So it's hard to tell them, you know, kind of take things easy here and there. But at the same time, we are playing against our own players. So you, you – you can't take any cheap shots. You can't do anything stupid that's going to hurt the team in the long run. So I think they all understand that. And um, as long as they're all hustling and playing hard, I don't think you have any problems with anything. So right. get, as long as nobody gets hurt, we're good. Let's get down to the important questions. <clears throat> Gus Malzahn will wear blank on his head. <laughs> well, does he have any visors left? They gave away a few of his visors, right? I did see that the visors were out were out uh, out in the on the earth there. Yeah, he's gonna have one of those big uh, sombrero hats on. Okay, you're going big straw hat. Okay, yeah, I think that's the way to go. Yeah, he's Maybe. he's been sporting those. What's the weather those. supposed to be like? I mean, it's pretty hot and sunny, I believe. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know how solid these forecasts are this far out, but I think we're, we're looking at hot and sunny. Let me pull that up for you. But he's been wearing those. Uh, bigger uh you know sombrero style uh caps actually high of 87 low of 67 looks like it's partly cloudy or partly sunny how you how will you view that in your life prism um so 87 is the high mike it's pretty warm and it's a it's a noon kickoff yeah it is yeah well they don't kick off they just throw the ball around but yeah (laughs) 
it's uh, it's gonna be a hot one. So yeah, I expect him to get as much shade as he can one of those big sombrero hats. And uh, I don't know, he's not a shacket guy. He just wears a regular t-shirt, mm-hmm. right? Polo shirt. Shorts, I assume, uh, right? He's going. He go shorts. He's got to go shorts now. Yeah, I would think so. I told him to wear the shorts. I know you did during a game. I he seemed to like that. Should start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're saying no visor that he skews the visor and he goes more with the sun protective, larger style uh, bucket slash you know uh, Bahama slash sombrero hat. I believe so. I think okay. that's what he's been wearing during the practices. Yeah, yeah I think that's how he's going to go. All right, I think you're right. No, I don't know why he wouldn't break one of those hats during. You think he would wear that during a game, say a noon kickoff in September at home? I think the headset's the problem. Yeah, but he's going to have to have a headset on for this one, too, you would think, right? I feel like, they, yeah, maybe. He might. Yeah, that's a great point. Maybe they go walkie-talkie. Maybe, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I guess we'll find out. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe he won't go. But he has to have a headset. He has the headset on during practice, too, because he's always got that mic on. So either they've fancied him some sort of a new uh, headset situation or, you know, maybe maybe this isn't as much of a slam dunk as we thought. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, now, we got to get in touch with Monster the Barber again. If he got a fresh haircut, mm-hmm. say he gets a fresh haircut on Friday, mm-hmm. he's not wearing any hat. He's going out there <laughs> to show, show off the hair. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. You would think if he gets a fresh cut. Um, yeah. I mean, you might, you got to show it <laughs> off. I'll, well, I'll, I'll ping monster the barber, see what he has. All right. Here's the other most important question. Last year during the spring game, everybody went nuts because UCF let the players wear their Twitter slash Instagram handles on the back of their jerseys, Mike. So here's the question. Mm-hmm. UCF should put blank on the back of the players' jerseys for this spring game. Ooh, their phone numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what do you do? I mean, you've already done Twitter handles. What do you want? I mean... I guess they could have used anything. They could have put their Instagram handles and all that stuff on there, right? Yeah. But are they going to do the same thing two years in a row? I don't know about that. They usually don't. That's what I'm saying. Usually they have something unique, right? Like we didn't just keep rolling out the same space game, Uni. So you got to imagine they've got something else up their sleeve. What what is – if you were in charge of the world, and I don't know why you're not, by the way, what would that something else be? And Maybe they just do like a nickname – I think okay. in Major League Baseball, they have that what Players Weekend or whatever, and they put nicknames on the back of their jerseys instead. So instead of Kevin Smith, instead of, even though they didn't have names back then, but you just say a 24K on the top, on mm-hmm. the back of the jersey maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, King Kong, that's how I would I hope Mikey King comes out with a King Kong uh, on the back of his. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, that's an idea, but I'm sure they, they'll come up with something much more creative than that. My, and I don't know what's legal here. My guess was something NIL related. And again, I don't know what they legally can allow them to do. Like, I don't think they can put like, you know, the, the brand sponsor on the back of their jersey. But, but something NIL related. I, again, don't know what it could be. But I think you're seeing Gus wearing, you know, Bowser shirts and Sam Jackson shirts at, at press conferences. Um, you know, UCF's trying to be on the forefront of, of some of the NIL stuff. It's something NIL related. I don't. I don't know what that. Maybe it's their their agent's name and number. You know, maybe it's. I, I don't think they can put a product they sponsor on the back, and nor are any of them kind of sponsoring of like products individually. But I gotta think there's got to be some sort of NIL tie-in. How about this? They each have their own individual QR code mm. on the back, 
right? And then you, you scan it and you see who, what that sponsor is for them. Interesting. So you, it's pretty tough King to scan that code, code though from the TV. Like yeah. you're gonna have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to take a screenshot of it. It's not on TV. They, by the way, it's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you see the player running around, you take a picture, and then from the picture, you can take uh, yeah. a shot of it. Yeah. Something. I just don't know what's legal. I don't think they're allowed to, um, although it's a practice jersey, right? So it's not like got any UCF branding on it. Unless they, last year, did they wear their real jersey? Yeah, I think they did. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, you got to do something different. I, I imagine that DeSalvo and, and, and crew have something else up their sleeve. I'm just curious what that's. I I would be really surprised if they do the same thing two years in a row. Yeah. No, they're mixed up somehow. I'm sure it's going to be a lot cooler than whatever we just came up with. <laughs> Which was really nothing. A QR code for the 14 people that will be there. Although I'll be one of them, Mike, so I'm excited uh, to check out the spring game. It's a quick little game. There's a bunch going on that day, too. I think there's a baseball game and a softball game, if I have that right, directly Ooh. after. Uh, so if one was so those? inclined, it's it's a TBD. It's a TBD. We'll decide kind of how the, how the family's going, bringing the family down. The kids want to go. Uh, so we'll, we'll TBD on, on children's behavior and tolerance level at that point. Uh, Easter's obviously the next day, so we don't want to be out there too late, you know. So um, it's a, it's a we possibility. Spending the night. We are not spending the night. Hotel. No. We're coming back. We are we are in and out, my friend. What times the baseball game? What times the softball game? I believe they're both at two o'clock. If I have that right. Well, that works out nice. Yeah, so you could I, we now, could maybe catch a couple innings. There's the question. Okay. Do you go straight to softball or do you go straight to baseball? Where are you headed? Wow. Well, let me hold on. Let me. All right. You, now you're asking me a bunch of questions I wasn't prepared for. Usually I ask the questions around here. Let me. Uh, I don't know who we're <laughs> playing. Let me check and see who we're playing in both of these, um, and then we can decide this together. Okay. UCF baseball. This is exhilarating. Uh, Why I scroll for this? Uh, Saturday, two p.m. Citronaut Saturday, by the way. We are playing. Oh. We are playing East Carolina. Oh, that's a big one. East Carolina is a, a juggernaut in the uh, American for a long time. I don't know how they're doing this year. <laughs> I know they struggled early on. They got swept by like uh, Bryant College or something like that. UCF Mike always keeping tabs. Uh, UCF softball Saturday two o'clock against ECU. <laughs> so either way, <laughs> either way, we're we're anti ECU on on that particular uh, Saturday afternoon. No pirates. Huh. It may depend no. on what's what's easier to get tickets for, actually, because I don't even really know. To be fair, um, shameful. You can always just sit in the love shack in uh, the outfield. Shameful admission. Yeah, um, I've never been to a UCF softball game that I can recall. Um, no, we never went there. Yeah, I don't think I ever accidentally wandered over there. We've been to a handful of baseball games in our time at UCF. I don't think I've ever seen a, a softball game. Uh, another fun, true story. Uh, we were at dinner last night, uh, and uh, the place we were at had TVs on right in front of us. I was glued in on the Masters. For some reason, they were showing on ESPNU or ESPN2, Florida and Alabama playing softball, right? So I'm over here, like, living and dying, figuring out, is Roy going to make a, a charge here? And I look over, my little guy's like, just tuned into the softball game. I'm like, buddy, uh, mm-hmm. Masters is on green jacket, my friend. He was like, yeah, well, how come they have those face masks? I'm like, okay, well, I'll explain that to you, right? So we're doing like everything, like I'm watching shot after shot, and he's all like, so the softball's not really soft, right? Like, so he was glued in on the softball. So I'm thinking he may he may be interested in watching some softball. I, I don't know. I, I may have to ask the kids. It's a coming of age moment for a young Aiden here. Maybe he just liked what he saw. You know, mm. nice looking young ladies mm-hmm. walking around them playing some softball, tight pants, all right, all right. that whole deal. There goes our Man. female listeners. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. 
Yeah. <laughs> he may have stumbled upon something here. So maybe you let him decide. I bet you he'll, he'll take softball over baseball. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll take a family vote. My daughter played softball for like a hot year. Uh, didn't really enjoy the pace of the game. Uh, so she never returned uh, to softball, but she's she's aware of it. So uh, so we'll see um, how yeah. how this works out. Yeah. If you go to the softball, you got to be in. I mean, we got Elo. He's gonna be calling the game. He, he can set you up with some good seats. You know, maybe take your daughter into the take you guys into the booth for an inning. Right, maybe a little guest spot. Elo, Elo wants me nowhere near the booth. This is this is not like a media broadcaster breakdown situation. Elo wants me nowhere near the booth. Plus, I think he'll be there, um, probably hours ahead of time. So I, Elo may not even get a chance to see the spring game live, at least in the stadium. He may have to get over there early to to get set up. So now, can we arrange? Mm. Who do we have to speak to? Okay, we have two options. We could, we could do it at either park, baseball okay. or softball. Mm-hmm. I saw DeSalvo do it a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Can get you yep. to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, Ooh. seventh inning stretch. Ooh. Or Man. can we get you to throw out a first pitch? Can we get you to. I don't think something? I'm first pitch worthy. I don't think we've gotten to that status symbol yet in the in the evolution of our show. I maybe take me out to the ball game worthy. Right. Or, or even in like an in between innings, you know, promo thing. Yeah. You're, you're the guy who, uh, get me the jumbo do they do like the sausage races or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> going on? Well, can, can we get you to at least throw out a few t-shirts? I'm, so I'm in. Get you involved somewhere I'm in for that. Could I be the guy who brings the umpires out to, or the baseballs out to the umpire? Maybe it could be that guy. You know, just walks out like a handful of, here you go, sir. I mean, I'm, I'm in. I mean, if, if someone wants to get that arranged, I mean, I'll, I'll make myself available. Um, you know, I'm a man of the people, so whatever I got to do. Now, who is more likely to set something up like this? Is it Elo on the softball side or our boy Branca over there on the baseball side? Where are our connections strong? Mm, uh, I feel like Elo, I mean, he's the voice of UCF softball for for yeah. a decade I, plus. I mean, I don't think you think you, you get you don't get on the plex without Elo like green lighting you. So I, he's got to be the guy. No offense to Steven, by the way. Yeah, no. If I'm telling you right now, you request something to Elo that you want to do. Any of those things I just said. Throw out a T-shirt. <laughs> okay. Sing the sing. You can sing the national anthem. <laughs> Good. You sing ask the Elo. Anthem. <laughs> okay. Ask Elo, and he will get it done. He gets it done for you on the softball play. Yeah. Baseball, I don't know. You may have to pull some more strings. I don't know if we got enough pull yet for baseball. Well, here's so another thing. After the spring game, I hadn't thought about this. Hold on a second, Mark Daniels. Probably going to be pretty yeah. occupied with the football. They may be an opening in the booth for baseball. Ooh. Now we're talking. Me At least for an inning. Me and right? Stephen Branca? A half inning. Breaking down the game and the 2-2. Stephen, what you see that? Like, I think I, I absolutely think I could pull off an inning and play-by-play. In baseball only. Inning. I don't think I could do any other sport. I Maybe football. I think I could absolutely pull off a half inning of baseball play-by-play. No, a half inning could be two minutes. It could. Or it could yeah. go Forty minutes. We're talking about a ten run first inning, like we just had the other day. Yeah. So uh, now that would that would have stretched me if I had to try to figure out what was going on with the pine tar situation. I might have been a bit <laughs> of a trouble at that point. I would have figured it out. I feel like I could do half an inning. I don't know who to talk to about this. We gotta get somebody. I'll, I'll text Elo. Okay, we we've got a few days. Okay. Send out your messages to Elo and Branca and see who's got the most strength you can pull. And if you could pull off the double header, you you go from one park to the other. <laughs> now we're really talking. Yeah. Right. I'll see what I can do. Then, Let's see how much pull this show has. You're in the, in the first inning in softball. You, you head over to, to the uh, the John, 
and you do the fourth inning over there, mm-hmm. and then you ride home after that. You're back home by seven o'clock. That's quite a day. I'm I'm in. I'm, I'm, whoever needs to make it happen, we'll see what kind of poll we have. Which means none of these things will go on, Mike. What we do have poll for though is a fun interview with Derek Holman. That's coming up right after this break here. Don't go anywhere. I got to message somebody. Sounds easy. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you're listening to the Future of UCF podcasting with Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Boom. All right, Mike, we have Derek Hallman uh, in just a second. A really fun interview. Uh, for those who uh, um, maybe not remembered about Derek's career, uh, just a great, uh, great career at UCF, Mike, and I think you'll enjoy that conversation, which you're going to enjoy also in this space in the near future, Mike, we have, we are working on really cool sponsorship situation. Yes. The manscape stuff was cool. We got some free swag out of the deal. Hopefully you guys enjoyed some stuff as well, but we've got a real cool partner that stepped up. Somebody who is a friend of the show, uh, somebody who is a, uh, a UCF uh, graduate, uh, supports UCF through and through. Uh, we've, we've worked something out, uh, and, uh, we're really excited about it. We're not ready to un- unveil it all just yet, but uh, really excited to uh, to partner with people, Mike. And honestly, this is something you and I have talked about. I know for a lot of people, we're on episode 176, right? They've always wondered, you know, why don't we do our sponsorships, yada, yada, yada. And you and I have always said from the beginning that we, we certainly would love to have sponsors and love to have people support the show. But it was important to us to be involved with people who cared about UCF, who, you know, enjoyed UCF, who enjoyed our show, who enjoyed what we do, not just somebody who had nothing to do with anything. And so we've probably not been as um, aggressive looking for that kind of stuff because we had a really sort of strict criteria. And uh, and I'm really glad that the group that we're going to get involved with matches a ton of that criteria. It's going to be a really cool partnership. we got some great things we're planning for the upcoming football season and beyond. Uh, so it'll be debuting probably in this very spot uh, sometime soon. You may even see it as early as this week on the live show. We may even introduce it to you then, Mike. But super excited to be working with our, our new partners and can't wait to get started. Yeah, this is a guy that actually I ran into just not around UCF. He, uh, I was wearing a UCF shirt and the guy walked past me. He was wearing a UCF shirt. I said, charge on. And he knew exactly who I was. And it kind of took me back for a second. I was like, what? And he knew about the show, and he was a big fan. And, I mean, that's not why when we got the deal done, but we've been working with him for the last couple of weeks, and now it looks like it's happening. And he's ready to support the show in any way he can, and we're very excited to, to have these guys come on board and help, like I've been saying, help keep us getting this thing growing and making it bigger and bigger. We've been doing a weekly podcast now for what four years almost it's been a long time yeah we started in 2018 uh yes almost been four years that we were doing the weekly thing and now we've added the live show uh we've got the youtube page going we got trace now on on the payroll he's doing interviews this thing is growing and growing by the day who knows maybe we may have end up with a staff of like 10 15 people at some point god um (laughs) (laughs) but it's all going to be possible because of sponsors like this. And I can't wait to announce it with for you guys next week or maybe even later this week. Right? We're going to hype it up for a while. 
yeah, I mean, we you know, we got to get some ink dry and some stuff, but uh, but yeah, like I said, it's been important to us that we get involved with people that um, you know that have the same sort of mission and vision that we have for for what we're doing here, uh, and we found some great partners, so we're excited. Check back in this space probably next week. You'll learn more about that, but just want to want to share that great news with everybody. It's something that Mike Trace and I are really excited about, uh, and uh, we can't wait to bring it to you. But we're really excited about Derek Hallman, Mike, and uh, and you're going to be too because you know, he said a lot of really great stuff. And uh, you know what? Listen up. All right, let's uh, let's catch up with Derek here. Uh, Derek, l- let's start here. Obviously, you had a, a really great career at UCF. You were a uh, four-year player, uh, part of some really big teams. But let's go all the way back to the beginning. You're a kid out of Fort Pierce. You had some big yep. offers coming out of high school. How did you end up deciding that UCF was the place you wanted to go? Man, it's so crazy. Um, so the first school that offered me was UCF, UCF and Stanford. Those are my first two offers. Um, and I just remember meeting Coach Taylor my sophomore year of high school. He was always super genuine. Um, and while he, he did his job trying to sell UCF, he was the most honest recruiter that I knew. And um, he told me, he was like, if you come here, don't come here for me, don't come here for the coaching staff, because we all could be gone next year. You know, you have to make sure it's a place that is right for you, for your family. Um, and that was one of the, the big things that I, you know, considered when weighing my options. And then when I took a visit to UCF, you know, it sold itself. You had some big time schools though after you. Who else was uh, was kind of on your short list of, of schools you were considering? Um, Stanford, Mississippi State, um, Wisconsin actually came in late, and then. I don't know if you're familiar with the name Sonny Lubick. He coached at Colorado State. Sure, yeah. That was the dad. But his sons, one of them was at uh, Ole Miss, and one was at, uh, I believe it was Arizona State, I think is the other school. Um, so those were all the schools I was, like, mainly considering. I was waiting on an offer from, like, I don't know, Florida and UM, but those never came through. Well, how was UCF perceived back then? So just a context for people who are listening in. I mean, this is, what, 2006 that you're thinking about, you know, going to college? I mean, that's two years. Yeah, I graduated in 07. Yeah, I graduated in 07, but yeah. This is two years removed from UCF yeah. going winless under George O'Leary's first season. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the, the program was still kind of on the up and up. How was UCF perceived back then, like, by your classmates and your teammates? Were they like, man, you're going to UCF? Or was it something like, hey, they just respect that you, you're going to a school? What was the perception like back then? Um. You mean like my the guys I went to high school with? Yeah, like your high school teammates when they when you came walking yeah, so, in that day with that UCF hat and you're like, "Hey guys, I made my decision." They're were they like, "What? You're going where?" Yeah, everybody probably thought I was going to go to Mississippi State because uh, Jamar Cheney, he was from the, the uh, Fort Pierce as well. He uh, went to Mississippi State, ended up going to the NFL. And they thought I was going to follow him, um, but when they when they saw that I chose UCF, it was. A bit of a shocker, but not for my family because they all knew why I was going there. You know, the proximity close to home, you know, be easy for my parents or the rest of my family to come to my games. My grandma doesn't believe in getting on planes. <laughs> so I had to be somewhere, you know, close, relatively close for her to uh, drive to. I'm sure Coach O'Leary had some um, impression he made on you to maybe seal the deal for it. Well, what was your first impression of Coach O'Leary? Um just very straightforward you know very direct he wasn't one of those people that said oh yeah you come here we'll give you the world he's like i'm going to give you the opportunity to come here and compete and 
it was it, again it goes back to coach Salem um because that's who recruited me Tim Salem he was just he, I asked him you know coach how do you see me he was like honestly he's like you're one of the hardest working people if not the hardest working person uh that I know he's like I see you having the ability to come here and be a team captain and having the potential to start from day one and I was able to accomplish all those goals what about the campus back then it's nothing like it is today um this the stadium was just being built it was just about mm -hmm. to open up for you guys but what, do, mm -hmm. what do you remember about like the the training facilities and all the other stuff we had going on back then it's so crazy uh to think about where this where the school is now compared to when i was there because when i was there i was just flabbergasted i'm like man this is crazy you know just the dorms like being in tower four um the proximity of the dench close to it and it's like now while the towers are still there the dench is like completely different you know and the rest of campus is completely different i remember i went back a few years after i graduated and they had dorms across the street you know where the night library and the mcdonald's and all that stuff used to be and then there's a bunch of you know new new uh buildings on campus so it's like i guess the acronym under construction forever is true because <laughs> it's always something new going on man yep you played a bunch as a true freshman, which, you know, back then was was really kind of unheard of. A lot of guys came in from high school. They spent a year in kind of the weight program and they mm -hmm. got on the field. But you, you got on the field a bunch. I mean, you played from game one as a true freshman. Were you expecting yep. to play as a true freshman? Were you hoping to redshirt? Like, how did all that come together for you? Nah, my standard coming in was to be college ready. You know, I had a very good strength coach in high school named Dave Jacobs. who He has a facility now. He doesn't coach uh, high school anymore. But he's a great strength coach uh, coming out of high school. So, I don't know. The, I came in as a safety. And whenever we did any type of contact drills with the receiver, I just remember rocking all the receivers. But, you know, our secondary was pretty talented um, with the quote-unquote smoking aces with Joe Burnett, Jason Vincent, <laughs> John Nell, and Sharif Rashad. So, um, I remember Coach, uh, coach Huxable, he was a linebacker's coach at the time. Uh, pulled me into his office and he asked me, he's like, hey, man, like, what do you think about moving down to linebacker? Because we were pretty thin at backer. Um, and, you know, I had the physical acumen and, and the mental acumen to do it. I just didn't necessarily have the size. Um, so I was a little nervous about it. Um, but, you know, anything to get me on the field and that uh, would help the team win. So I said, of course. And that was probably the first week of camp and never really looked back. Yeah, where were you? Where were you at those? I mean, on your senior bio, you're listed at six foot two thirteen. Where were you at as a freshman? Uh, say again. Where were you at as a freshman? Just height and weight. As a senior, you were listed at oh. six foot two thirteen. Where were you at as a freshman? Height and weight. Uh, probably about two hundred pounds. <laughs> a little, little over two hundred pounds. Um, and it's so crazy. I could never keep on weight. Um, I remember coming into my senior year. I had finally got up to about 225, close to 230, and I had all four of my wisdom teeth removed, and I lost close to 20 pounds um, in a two-week span. It was crazy. 
Must be nice. I look at a donut, I gain 10 pounds these days. But um, going back to your freshman year, you, uh, Mike mentioned earlier, but stadium opens up that season. Uh, Texas comes to town. Uh, you play in that game. You actually had a fumble recovery in that game as well. What are your memories of that day, kind of opening the stadium? Uh, obviously, everybody was hyped. That The crowd was crazy. Texas coming to town. Uh, and, again, you had a pretty nice game yourself. What are your memories of that, of that first game against Texas in 07? Uh, saltiness, man. <laughs> saltiness. Yeah. It's 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 an open wound. Um, but now nah, the environment was crazy. It was crazy. I remember how loud it was. I remember, you know, the butterflies that I had. I remember the plays that I didn't make. Um, and I kind of had like a, a a welcome to college moment because I, I I remember a tackle that I missed on like the opening drive on Quan Cosby. I never forget. And then I remember how fast uh, Jamal Charles was. Um, <laughs> sure. But I just I just remember, like, being so close and, you know, us not coming through, being able to pull it, pull it off kind of sucks. And my roommate had a pretty good game, too, uh, Kamar Aiken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah a couple of plays here and there. Lawrence Young is the one that always sticks out to me. He drops that interception, right? I think we were up three at the time. We probably would have been up ten if he catches it. Yeah, man, I remember that as well because it's so crazy. You know, and when you think back on memories, you don't think about the plays that you made. You think about all the ones that you didn't make. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, you know, what what could have happened? What would have happened, you know, had I, you know, came through and made that play? Well, if that one didn't hurt enough, what about this one? 64 to 12 over in oh, Tampa. God. I still have nightmares about that game myself. Listen. You're still pissed too, right? Eh? Listen, man. <laughs> you could I, you could blame it on the players. A lot of people don't know this, but you know, coming into that game, freshman had played a lot, and I'm probably spilling a little bit of beans here. But you go back and look, the receivers had a different starting lineup. I was coming off of an injury because I missed, I think, two two and a half games a year. I didn't play East Carolina. Um, some school we played. I don't know if it was Lafayette we played that year. And um, the USF game, I didn't start because I was coming off of an ankle injury. Um, but a bunch of freshmen didn't play. We had a rough week of practice, and it was sort of like a punishment. And I'm not saying it would have made a difference because USF was a heck of a team that year, but I don't think it's 64-12 to 12 <laughs> out of the gate. Yeah, that was ugly. But, I mean, you guys rebounded from that nicely. You win seven in a row after that. We go on, we mm-hmm. win the conference, we get to the Liberty Bowl, 10-win season. Uh, you had to feel good about where the team was headed from that point on, right? Yes, indeed, man. Yes, indeed. Um, it's looking up. But, yeah, going back to the USF game, it just sucks because I, I got a few <laughs> friends that went to USF. And no matter how many games we've won since then, that's the score that they always bring up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the season. Or, or looking at the rest of the season, yeah, I, I really thought, you know, the next three years, like, no way, you know, we're not losing any more games. Um, but, you know, guys leave. Team chemistry changes each year. Um, so, yeah, you know, you fall short of some goals. 
Well, yeah, I mean, two, 2008 starts, and uh, obviously, look, a pretty rough start. I think you, you, you remember it, losing seven of the first nine. But you were a young mm-hmm. player back then, right? So you're still trying to find your way. You're still trying to make plays. Obviously, the team isn't having the success that you want or anybody wants. How did you keep yourself kind of mentally in the right spot, right? Because you're trying to get better. You're trying to make plays, but things aren't always going your way. You know, you're, you're still a young kid trying to find your way. How did you keep yourself kind of mentally engaged, in that 2008 season, even though things weren't really going the way the team wanted them to? You know, out of all my years there, that's like the one year that's kind of like a blur. <laughs> you know, we had some bad losses, and we had some really close losses. Uh, like, I think we had three or four really close losses. So we could have been an eight-win eight win team, and I think we were a four-win team. Um, but just staying engaged, I mean, Coach O'Leary made sure we were focused and prepared every week. Um it was just all about execution, and, you know, obviously we didn't do that. Yeah, but you guys lost to Miami by six that year. Uh, you had a close one. East Carolina lost by three. Southern Michigan lost by 13. I mean, you had some close games, you know, in there yeah. in there for a while. But I'm going to bring up one for you. November 22nd at Memphis. Does that game ring a bell for you in particular? Uh, 2008. 2008, yep. Oh, yeah, I scored a touchdown that's your in that pick, game. That's your pick six. It's <laughs> your time to brag. Tell us about the pick six. What did you see in the play? And uh, what was it like to, to cross the goal line for your first college touchdown? Man, actually, it was actually a fumble recovery. Um, yeah, the uh, quarter, I remember, I was uh, I was at nickel. And it was just a bad snap. <laughs> it was just a bad snap. Um, Jess Anderson hit the quarterback, you know, from, from picking it up. It was a scoop and score. But what I do remember is here I'm like, man, you slow, bro, you slow. <laughs> But they had. If you look at if you look at Memphis's roster that year, they had all these tall receivers, and these guys looked so fast on film. I don't know how how fast their forties were, but at a ten yard you know start because I'm as I'm picking the ball up, he's sprinting back, so he tackles me into the end zone. He's like, man, you got ran down, but I just remember the excitement. Of, of scoring my first collegiate touchdown. And we needed it. We won 28-21, right? Your, your touchdown yeah. made, made a difference. Was any part of you considering some sort of a touchdown end zone celebration? And if you did, uh, how mad would George O'Leary have been? Oh, no, nah, not that year. It was all <laughs> business that year. Okay. You know, not until my senior year did, did I think about, you know, any type of celebrations. Um, but, yeah, Coach O'Leary would have been pissed. <laughs> he you- would have been pissed. Did you have one plan that like later on you would go to, or we 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 would you just make oh, it up yeah. on the spot if you had some? Oh yeah. Um. So my senior year, it was oh my god, it was the championship game against SMU, and I remember we had they they ran this high low concept with uh, Cole Beasley and whoever the other receiver was, and I had been making it making a play all week, you know, scoring in practice, and you know. It was third and short, for sure. They run this play, and I drop it. It's nothing but green grass. But had I scored, I would have threw it into the student section. <laughs> I would have launched it into the student section. And another one at home, man, it was an inadvertent whistle when we beat Houston um, my junior year. And I, um, I stripped a running back, and they blew the whistle because they didn't know I had the ball or whatever. But, again, at home – I probably threw it into the stands. I, by that time, I felt that I had built up enough confidence from the coaching staff that they wouldn't have benched me. I would have got yelled at or you know, got punished in practice or I would have took that penalty. 
<laughs> what, what kind of punishment are we talking about? Up, downs, gassers? Or what do you think you would have oh faced? Oh, my God. Man, listen. When we lost to uh, East Carolina my freshman year. They had Chris Johnson and a few other guys. We lost. I didn't even play. <laughs> I didn't even play that week. Because, again, I th- that was one of the games I missed yeah. due to an ankle injury. But we had like five or six turnovers um, on offense. And the defense, of course, didn't make plays because Chris Johnson had a career day. Um, but I remember we did up downs for like six or seven minutes. It was ridiculous. And I just remember feeling like, uh, being on remember the Titans <laughs> because I was blow. Everybody was. Well, I mean, actually, yeah, so that was a tough one. You guys were up 28, 17 at half. And then we had five turnovers in the third quarter. Kyle had two yeah. picks, Greco had a pick, and there were two fumbles between Kyle and uh, and Kevin Smith. So five turnovers in a quarter. I'm sure GOL had to be just steamed on the sidelines. Yeah, man, that was that was a very very rough week of practice. Full pads every day, extra conditioning, ball security drills on the offense, practicing special teams, everything. I think he's ran a kickback too. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I never heard of him until that day, and oh my god, I couldn't stop dreaming about that guy afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that dude was the truth. Oh, that God. dude was the truth. So in 2008, we were talking about the, it was kind of a down year. Mm-hmm. There was no transfer portal back then, but you mentioned the team, team chemistry changes year to year. How many guys do you think would have probably jumped in the portal during that eight season? And did you think, would you have thought about it? No, nah, I probably, I, I mean, I thought about it, but I wouldn't have left, man. Um, my, my That's just not the way I'm built. You know, I tell somebody I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You know, and whether that's, you know, my loyalty to and commitment to a school or whatever. Um, but I know for certain, I know for certain a few guys would have done it because we talk about it, you know. Is it just guys not getting playing time that, or they don't agree with the coach? Guys, guys, getting, guys getting playing time, just uh, a few different things, a few different reasons. Um, I remember one of the big things coming out of high school was that, oh, we're changing over to Nike. You know, um, a lot of things, man, not being able to have your number on your jersey. Uh, the grooming policy was a big thing for everybody, including me. I hated it, too. <laughs> um, uh, and then just the swag, man. I just feel like we didn't have drip like that, but it wouldn't have been big enough for me to transfer. But it was just one of those things that, you know, I just really didn't like. The grooming policy was big for me, man. I hated shaving because I hate my bare face. <laughs> all right and then in 2009 you move over to safety you mentioned you played safety in high school so to kind of make that transition a lot easier did you enjoy moving that back over to the secondary uh my junior year yeah in 2009 yeah man that was that was cool um yeah i, I really enjoyed it i was excited for that season um if What's his name? Jordan Richard didn't get hurt against East Carolina that year. I probably would have finished the year at safety. But, no, I, I really enjoyed it, being on the back end again. Um, got an opportunity to make some plays. But when I moved back to linebacker, I feel like it had made me better, you know. What's the biggest difference between the two? You just get more time to line somebody up for a big hit at safety? or? Uh, I just feel like the opportunity to make more plays when the ball's in the air. Because, um, you know, I played – quote-unquote Sam, but it's really a, w- a weak side linebacker and nickel in our defense, but we called it the Sam. Um, but being back at safety, man, just having an opportunity to make more plays on the ball, 
that's what I really enjoyed about it. Going back for a second while we're on the topic, transfer portal, what, what are your thoughts now? Obviously, as a, a former player, someone who's now left UCF, seeing what the transfer portal is or what it's become, what are your thoughts on, on the transfer portal in general? Is it a good thing, a bad thing? Is it a needed thing? What are your thoughts? I'm indifferent about it, but I feel like it's necessary. Um, I don't, Of course, I don't like it when we lose guys, <laughs> but I love it when we gain guys. Sure. So, you know, it's kind of like a gift and a curse, but – I feel as though as long as coaches can leave without any penalty and take jobs elsewhere, I feel like a player should at least have the opportunity to do that once because a coach, I feel, affects a program for a lot longer than a player does, you know, because, you know, you, you have a guy like Coach Frost come in and take us to new heights, you know, and, it, and you only build upon that. Whereas unless it's someone like uh, McKenzie leaving, like just a, I'm just saying like a big time player, mm. uh, a one off guy isn't, you know, it may it may suck for that season, but it's not going to have a detrimental effect for years to come. That's fair. All right, getting back to, to 2009, the other thing that happened in 09, uh, George made a bunch of staff changes, especially on the mm-hmm. offensive side. You guys got a second straight year with Huxtable as, as kind of the defensive coordinator, but a lot of changes kind of on the staff overall. Do you think, I mean, you mentioned kind of team chemistry. Do you, do you think that's what the team needed at that point? Do you think those staff changes really kind of helped springboard UCF into a better 20, uh, 2009 season and, and 2010 season? Or do we as fans, do we overblow that stuff? Does it really not matter to you all? You're going to play hard no matter what. Whoever's the coach, it doesn't really matter for your position. Or do those changes actually really make an, uh, an impact for, for the players in the team? Um, the Going into 2009, I think the biggest thing, is that the year Coach Tav came? Yes, yep. Yeah, so I feel like the scheme offensively changed, man. We opened it up a little bit. As I feel like when I look back on it, we threw the ball a lot more than when Coach Saban was the OC. But I feel as though we had a lot of weapons on the offense, and they were finally starting to use them. Um, I think that's the year we got Brett Hodges, that quarterback. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely on the up and up. You know, the, the, the chemistry and the excitement of the program changes because for a while it's just like, oh, you know, you're calling the plays from the sideline <laughs> and your frustration kind of boils over, uh, especially from that 2008 season. But just having a, a breath of fresh air and uh, uh, a new outlook on on the uh, offensive side of the ball, it kind of, you know, changes everyone's mood. Um, and then Coach Hooks, I think he actually became the coordinator in 08. He did, yeah. Um, but just having him move to, to D.C., was probably the best thing for us, man. You ask anybody that played for him, um, Coach Hux is probably one of the smartest people in college football. The dude just, while we, while as a unit, we may not have always executed, it was not uh, for the lack of his preparation because we had a foundation of stopping the run. And I don't care what play it was, the, the foundation was so solid you know, you hear anybody that played for him, they'll tell you his favorite phrase was black, gold, black, gold, black, gold, because we had someone in every gap. So as long as you did your job, and that was another thing he preached, do your job, you know, you're not going to run the ball on us. Um, but and a lot of teams really didn't. They really found success through the air. 
I'm always curious in this question. Mike and I have talked to a bunch of uh, guys who played on that 2017 team that obviously went undefeated. And we've had a bunch mm-hmm. of them tell us like early in camp that they looked around. They're like, oh, yeah, we got something special here. Then people don't realize it. As a player, thinking about that 29 season, 2009 season, or even any other years, can you tell in camp and practice? Can you look around and look look how guys are playing, look at practice and be like, okay, I know I know how good we're going to be this year. Or, man, we're going to suck this year. Can you tell that early on how good a team's going to be? uh with with confidence yeah you you can you know because every year i don't don't care uh, at at any level you're not gonna say man we're gonna suck (laughs) sure you know because you don't you don't go on the onto the field at any level and say well go out here and take this l today but it was just something different you know going into that 2009 to 2010 season you know you knew that we had the potential, especially my senior year, to run the table because we were all older guys. A lot of the team had, you know, playing experience. Um, and we we really thought we'd run the table my senior year. Yeah, still in 2009, though. Uh, the Southern Miss game, we lose to them early in the year. Uh, we beat them in 07, but they had our number seemingly for a long time, like, what was it so, about? Oh nine, oh nine. We played them. We played them in Hattiesburg that year, right? Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Second game of the year. Yep. Um. Yeah. I I, I can't really remember that that game. What was the score? Can you tell me the score? Twenty six nineteen. Was that in the East Carolina game? There were two conference games early in the year, and we lost. Yeah. And then we um, played pretty well after that. I can't really remember the Southern Miss game. Yeah, the only thing I remember is missing the tackle. <laughs> I remember missing the tackle on a play action on his tight end. Um, I can't really remember that game. But East Carolina, they for whatever reason, man, they just had our number for three years um, from 07, 08, and 09. They had, you know, some, some talent at receiver. But I don't know, man. It just I, – I can't, I can't really put my finger on it because – you know, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I, I can think about the plays that I didn't make, but as a team, I can't tell you why we couldn't get over the hump uh, that year. Does that, kind of, does that kind of stuff get in your head? I mean, as a player, are you like, oh, man, ECU, they always – like, do you think about that stuff? Is it almost like a mental thing at some point in time, you think? Uh, you mean while you're playing? Yeah, like, oh, man, ECU, uh, they're always, oh, here they're doing – they're going to do that thing again. Like, is it always just something where you recognize, like, okay – you know, this is that team that we can't get over the hump. Is is it like stick on your mind? Um, East Carolina, probably yeah. Southern Miss, not so much, but East Carolina, it just stung because I always felt that we were a better team, but we just couldn't beat them for whatever reason. It was it's always you know those seven plays that make up a, make the difference in the ball game that we didn't make. Well, in, in 2009, we played a few ranked teams. We played Miami. They were ranked, I think, number nine at the time. We played Texas. Mm-hmm. We were ranked number two. Couldn't pull those off. But then we do get Houston at home. It's the first time we ever beat a ranked team. Mm-hmm. Do you remember about that day? Do you remember, uh, like, was it a big deal to you guys pulling that one off? Or? It, it, it Indeed it was, man. But that team, that Houston team in 2009 is probably the fastest team I ever played. You know, in my life, I remember because they they ran a play. They were something like our 2017 team with Case Keenum. Yep. 
they were so fast. They were running a play like every 30 seconds. And we tried to prepare for it, but you can't simulate that stuff, man. Those guys were fast. And I remember um, the big thing I remember about that game, you always remember how you played in certain games. Um, but I remember I got a – they were about to go up 21-0, I believe it was, and I forced a fumble on the running back. And that's what I was telling you about the inadvertent whistle. But I remember after that, man, it was just it was a 12-round fight, you know. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Coach Hux put together um, a presentation at the hotel with uh, Muhammad Ali and somebody else. And it was like, we didn't have that 12-round bull crap. It was 15 rounds. It was like, fight one more round, one more round. And that's what we did. We just kept clawing back. Um and guys just kept making plays. I remember, I think Quincy Quincy McDuffie scored. That was a, I think it was that game, that Houston game at home. Um, that, that was the touchdown pass, I think, right down the. I think it was like in triple coverage, but he came down with it. Yeah, yeah, and and I just remember a few big plays that the offense made, and every time that they could keep us off the field, you, you know, and extend drives, man, it just gave us the gas to go back out there, but. Man, that, that Houston team was ridiculous. Those guys were fast. Well, you mentioned Coach Hux. I was reading an interview that he gave back back in the day, and he said having you, Chance Henderson, and Lawrence Young made his job easier because you guys were like coaches on the field. What does that mean mm-hmm. to, as a player, A, to, be a, coach, to a co- be a coach on the field, and B, what does it mean for you to hear that all these years later that, that he thought of you as a coach on the field? Man, it's just, you know, you know, you love hearing that. And it's just, it just goes to show the respect um, and the confidence that we had in one another. But I, I feel as though having him as a linebackers coach, you know, my freshman year, it just, you know, prepared us for success for the rest of our careers. And even in life, man, because his work ethic, it just rubbed off on you. So, you know, you never wanted to disappoint him. So at first, you know, one of the things he said was, what do you, what do you call them? M.E.s and M.A.s, mental errors and missed assignments. You know, football is 90% mental, 10% physical. So mental errors, those happen before the setup. You know, being misaligned, not making the right call, things like that. So you, we always wanted to make sure we had guys in the right position and we, you know, made the right calls pre-snap. And that allowed us to minimize the missed assignments, you know, when the play actually happens. Well, the offense looked totally different, uh, too, in that 2010 season. A young, skinny freshman named Jeff Godfrey comes on campus. And, uh, I mean, Dante was, was a whole different animal. But, I mean, JG was, was something we had never seen a quarterback in UCF in a long time. What kind of yeah. energy did, did he bring to the offense when you guys saw him? And as a defensive player, when you're watching practice and you're seeing some things he's, he's doing, were you like, man, we, we got something special here? Yeah, man. Jeff Jeff was special. Jeff was indeed special, man. And we knew he was going to be special. Um, I just remember when he first got there and going against the offense and practice, like, man, we really got a mobile quarterback. That was something we never really had to worry about. Um, you know, Calabrese was mobile, but not like not like Jeff. Um, you know, because Jeff had a little wiggle to him. But, man, yeah, we knew we knew he was going to be special. I remember because um, he came in with, with Blake. Yeah. Yep. With Blake Bortles. And I remember when Blake – because Blake didn't – coming into the fall um 
I remember Blake throwing the ball to me and Pascally in the indoor facility, and I told Blake, I'm like, man, you came to the wrong school, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I knew he had the talent. He, Blake always had a big arm. Uh, I was like, man, this kid came to the wrong school, but, you know, two years later, he proved me wrong. <laughs> You guys lost a couple games earlier that year. The NC State game where we waited way too long to put Godfrey in, or otherwise mm-hmm. I think we win. And then the Kansas State game when there's that whole rain delay thing, and uh, we kind of let one slip away. Which one of those hurts more? Or they both hurt. Uh, they both they both hurt a lot. Man, NC State had Russell Wilson that year, and um, I say yeah, shut him down. Yeah, down Russell Wilson. Yeah, that was probably his worst game of his career, probably. But the Kansas State game, I think, hurts more because they had a running back. At the time, I think he was leading the nation in rushing. Daniel Thomas or whatever his name was. Yeah. And I remember yeah. we held him to under 100 yards on um, that game. And I just knew we'd win because I feel as though our offense was better than their defense. But, you know, for whatever reason, we just didn't make the plays. So uh, another game that year, too, that had some weather was the Marshall game. Marshall was a big-time rivalry for us back then. Uh, did you guys feel the same way? I, I, I actually no. think it was a bigger rivalry than South Florida at the time. We, we we didn't. We didn't think Marshall or Memphis was a rivalry because we never lost. <laughs> so we, we, didn't look at, we didn't look at them as rivals. Um, it was just, you know, another conference game. But we never lost to them, so just looked at, we looked at them like, you know, we better not lose this game. And Memphis the same way. We lost to them earlier, like 2003, 2004, those teams, we, we lost to Marshall. By the time you guys got there, we had the upper hand. Yeah, yes, indeed. Well, you, you close out your career in 2010. You guys win a conference championship. You get a bid to the Liberty Bowl. Obviously, we're going to play an SEC team. Uh, this is going to be your last game, obviously. You, you kind of already knew that. How fired up mm-hmm. were you at that point in time, just kind of leading into the Liberty Bowl, knowing this was your last game? knowing that you guys had a chance to put a historic season together, what kind of thoughts were on your mind and leading up to the Liberty Bowl? Well, I knew we'd win. We, we prepared like champions that whole, that whole what, three weeks from the conference championship to the Liberty Bowl, but we, we knew we'd win, man. It was just about how much. <laughs> but we knew as long as we went out there and did what we were supposed to do, we'd beat Georgia. Well, I mean, so take us on the field. The clock strikes zero. You look up. Uh, we beat Georgia. Our first bowl victory as a school, uh, beating an SEC team, 11-win season. What are the first mm-hmm. thoughts that come to your mind when the clock hits zero and you realize that you've you've gone out on top as a, as a player at UCF? Man, finally got over the hump because I think that was our first bowl win. It was, yep. Um, yeah, we just finally got over the hump, man. It's just a surreal moment, very surreal moment. You want to take us to the after party? What what happens after? You guys get on the plane, you get back to Orlando. What's the after party like? Um, let me think. It's because it's so crazy. A lot of guys, man. You know, our family show up to the game, and we don't we don't fly back with the team. You know, we kind of go our separate ways. Um, after the bowl game, I actually I don't think I stayed in Memphis that night. I think I left with my mom. Um, because I actually got injured in the third or fourth quarter of that game, but. I heard, I heard they had a, a really good time. <laughs> Memphis, Memphis was a very interesting city to to have a bowl game in. Just say that, <laughs> man. And we returned the opening kickoff. Remember that for a touchdown? They called it back for a holding. Yeah. And then after Quincy, that, 
They called it on Ronnie Weaver. I, you know, it's so funny. I text Ronnie. I text Ronnie the other day. It was last week because I was looking at that game on YouTube. I looked at the first half and I told him, I'm like, bro, you should be pissed because that was not a holding call. That was not a hold. That was like, that was a great block, bro. Yeah, Quincy took it to the house. Yeah, then it was a defensive battle after that the whole way. You guys shut him down. Um, what do you have to know, man? You, I, obviously, we hear you got a baby there. How many kids you got? Yeah. Where are you up to? I have a daughter. I have uh-huh. a daughter. She was uh, uh, born about 16 months ago. Um, that's the only child that I have. I actually live down in Miami now. I've been down here for about three years. I'm an air traffic controller um, at Miami Center. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm up, I'm at, I live in uh, Miramar, and that's that's about it, man. Oh, yeah, not, you're not far from me. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Okay, okay. I was just actually in Miami. I uh, went to Miami Airport a couple weeks ago when I went on vacation. Um, well, you're you're, right, so. you're you're an air traffic controller. How stressful is that job? That feels like a really stressful yeah. job. Man, that's what everyone says. I mean, it has its moments, but I feel like the things you go through in life kind of prepare you for it. And, you know, the things you go through in your upbringing kind of dictates your, your stress level. Um, while it has its moments and it gets your blood going, I don't think it's anything like going home and not knowing what you're going to eat or sure. the, the lights not being on. So, I don't know, man. I love it. I tell people all the time it's the greatest job in America. Well, how many planes are you in charge of at one time? Or you're coordinating how many planes? Um, in our air, it just depends on how many sectors we have combined. But it can get – I've been plugged in. We've had combined sectors with about, you know, 35, 40 planes on frequency all stepping on each other because they all, they all want their way. You know, the good thing is just, you know, controlling the frequencies. You're kind of like the GOL of a tower, essentially, right? You're t- you're kind of telling guys what to do. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Nice. Do you ever do you ever drop a do you ever drop an ace on any of them when they're when they're telling you what to do? <laughs> Say again. Do you ever t- call any of them ace or anything like that whenever they're giving you a lip or something? Oh nah, nah, man. Stick to the phrase out. <laughs> Stick to the phrase out. <laughs> so you sound like you still follow the uh, UCF football teams pretty closely. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Malzahn regime and the last few years that we've gone through here? Um, I'm, I'm excited for this upcoming season. You know, anybody that follows me on Twitter, they know I'm always ranting and going <laughs> off on the defense, especially the linebackers when they don't make plays. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I hope we can you know, open up the passing game a lot more and get back to throwing the ball downfield. And then defense, um, just executing, man, stopping the run. That's what we gotta. That's what we gotta start. We gotta build that foundation, stopping the run, and everything else to fall in place. Because it's not for lack of talent. We got plenty of guys to do it. What what style do you prefer? Obviously, you're a defensive guy. Do you like the ball control, run the ball kind of thing? What we have with Malzahn, what we had with O'Leary, or do you prefer that high tempo offense we had with Frost and Hypo and all that? Nah, man, I like I like the, I like the up tempo. You know, let's let's move. Let's throw the ball around. You know, we got to be able to run the ball. But no, I, I I like I like you know lighting up the scoreboard. Yeah, but you're a defensive guy. I mean, you you're a ten three in the Liberty Bowl type of guy, no? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, defensively, defensively, you know, I'm the complete opposite. I I enjoy playing teams that wanted to you know control the ball and, and run it because I felt as though back then we were prepared for that that style of. of of, of defense or, or 
playing against that style of offense. Um, it's the teams that, you know, wanted to spread us out, you know, that caught, that gave us fits. That's why I enjoy us, you know, opening up the playbook, you know, going four wide, you know, with the RPOs and stuff. Because when it's done right, man, it's almost impossible to stop. How often are you able to get up to Orlando and uh, and catch out a game? And obviously, you got a lot going on at home. How often are you able to to get back for a game? Man, my last the last game I think I went to was the the USF game when Mike Hughes ran the kickback. That's a good one to go to. That's there. a good one. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but but with COVID and everything, I hadn't been back up. And then I've been an air traffic controller for about three years now. So back in twenty eighteen, I actually headed out to uh, Oklahoma for my basics trainer for this job. Awesome. Well, we got to get you back in touch with some folks, get you back up to the bounce house to, to catch a game, a good slate coming this year. What are your thoughts on UCF going to the big 12? Obviously, you know, cracking the quote unquote power five conference. How big a deal do you think that is? Power move, man. You know, I think, I think, you know, we just opened up Pandora's box and we're really going to shock the world. If people don't, people thought they hated us in 2017. They in for a rude awakening moving forward. Cause that's all we needed, you know. what I'm saying was the was the reputable, respectable conference. You know, it's like what can they say now? You know, they talked about the conference that we came from. You know, as long as we win and do what we're supposed to do, you know, we're gonna be on top. We're gonna be a household name. Right, we, we know you got a lot going on here. We'll let you we'll let you get some sleep. But before we do that, we got a couple of random rapid fire questions for you. These could be questions about music, movies, sports. Just funny stuff in general, so you never know what you're going to get. So here's my first question for you. You said to us earlier that you were rocking receivers uh, at playing uh, playing the defensive back, and they had to move you to linebacker. Who's the receiver you enjoyed hitting the most in practice? <laughs> Probably my roommate, Kamar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kamar Aiken. I, I, I assume he didn't like it as much as you liked it. <laughs> No, nah, I remember. <laughs> I remember um, my junior year when I was at safety. You know, we we kind of had this deal. You know, we take care of each other in practice. But early on in camp and spring ball, you know, they Coach Kelly, I guess, told them, you know, not to to block me as tough as they would other guys. And I remember he was coming to crack me one play. And he was letting up, and I hit him so hard he was pissed. He's like, "Oh, oh, that's what we on. That's what we on today. Okay." <laughs> Okay. <laughs> How does that happen? What happens when you get home? Did you just leave like extra dishes in the sink for you? Or... <laughs> nah, it was it was a discussion to be had. He's like, "Hey, bro, like you know, don't don't do that again." You know, he tell us to take care of y'all. Like that's what you're gonna do. Just let me know. It's pretty much it's pretty much saying if it's smoke, let me know. <laughs> All right, you were there in the years where I I'm pretty sure. The whole white horse nickname started for Coach O'Leary. Do you know exactly who started it? I don't know who started it, but that is hilarious because Coach O'Leary was a true dictator, you know, and we we were all members of O'Leary Sci-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we were told it was what Frisner Nelson. I think said he started. I think when we we tracked this down for a while. I think he said he uh, he was the one who started that a, a while back. I, I can't confirm that. No one really knows, but he's taking credit for it. I would not doubt it, man, because when you think about clowns, the D-line over the years that I was there probably held it down the most. Right, I think well, I blame Baldwin, too. 
Oh yeah, Darren, Darren Ball. Ball. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he, he got to live too. It's fair. Well, I'm actually, I'm actually in his wedding. I'm actually in his wedding this Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, well, Darren I, Ball. I, ask straight. him on the side if he's responsible for White Horse or if that, if that was Prisoner Nelson. Then you can, yeah. uh, you can report back. To I, I wouldn't doubt it though. What was that, what was your go to hangout spot? You just wanted to kind of cut loose and, and relax around the campus, around Orlando. Where'd you kind of go to just to cut loose and and have a good time around around UCF? Yeah, you know, I, I was never really like a, a club guy, honestly. You know, I went out. You know, the thing that we would do on Fridays, we would probably go to 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 Scoop. You know, that was the thing. Oh, we'd go downtown to Roxy. But other than that, man, most of the time I didn't go out, and we did a lot of things in our room. 120 boys in Tower Four. Um, we had we had a lot of dorm parties. All right. Who was the biggest ladies man on that team back then? Whoa. <laughs> Might get some people in trouble. Yikes. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they ain't together anymore anyway. Uh, but I say, oof, that's a lot. I say top three is probably Chad Alexander, AJ Guyton. And uh, probably Kim is Williams. We got a top three. That's fantastic. Uh, if you could go on one reality show and compete, any reality show you want, what show would you go on? Oh, man. Reality, reality. It's probably one of those uh, CrossFit shows. Okay. Like Ninja Warriors? Like, yeah, yeah, one of those. Are you talking like Ultimate Fighter type stuff? Or are you talking like Ninja Warrior? No, no, no. Gotta... One, of, one of the like the Ninja Warriors okay. where they do the, the different obstacles and, okay. and the wall and things like that. All right. As a fan now, you're just hanging out on a Saturday, watching some football all day. What's, what are you eating? What, what are you eating? What are you drinking? Are you going to big sandwich? Are you doing chicken wings? Are you doing pizza? Or are you um, I, nah, definitely not eating healthy. Um, <laughs> probably, some, <laughs> probably some sort of dip. Um, I like buffalo chicken tenders, um, and then drink um, uh, either a whiskey or a cognac with Saint Germain. Nice, right. wow! Uh, we're about a week away from the NBA playoffs starting. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, defending champions, still in there. Lakers did not make the playoffs. Uh, so, mm-hmm. who do you have? Who's coming out? Who's going to win the uh, the NBA title this year? Man. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people saying it's just don't get too excited about the regular season. Mm-hmm. But Memphis Grizzlies look scary. They do. They look scary. I saw a statistic the other day without John Morant, yeah. they're twenty and three. So I don't know. I think it goes without saying. Those are my favorites. Well, you, you said you well, live. In, you live in Miami now. Heat, obviously, number one seed in the East. You give the Heat any chance of doing any damage in the playoffs? I do, man, but I'm not, I'm not going to be overzealous about it. Um, I'd rather, you know, have low expectations and be surprised <laughs> than have these lofty expectations and get disappointed. But the Heat look good as well. All right. We've had a few guys. I don't know if you were able to do impressions, but can you give us a George O'Leary impression or, or maybe a speech he does before a big game, something like that? <laughs> Oh man, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I don't know, man. I'm not. I'm, I wasn't one of the guys that that, that would ever take coach a lot, but I, I could give you some of his praises, like jerk off. You know, if you came in the, <laughs> came in the came in the building with your hat on backwards, uh, 
you know, guys used to like to wear it, you know, pull your pants up. You get like a jerk off. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a bunch more guys who uh who could pull them a lot better than I can. That sounded pretty good, actually. That's actually not bad. Yeah, we've we've had a but we've actually we actually had George on the show. We told him that you guys call him White Horse. He thought that was hysterical. He'd like laugh for like twenty minutes on the show. Didn't never knew it, never never heard of it, but thought it was hysterical that you guys had a code name for him. Yeah, man, Coach O'Leary, Coach O'Leary, you know, is while he was very tough on the field, off the field, man, he was pretty cool, and he definitely prepared us for life. You know, just with a bunch of the integrity that he instilled in us, you know, showing up. If you, it, everything started 15 minutes early. So it said the meeting started at two o'clock. It really meant 145 and 145. That means you need to be in your seat because the door is closing at 146 <laughs> or probably 145 in 30 seconds. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, we appreciate you taking so much time out of your schedule to, uh, to share your memories at UCF. Uh, again, you were you were a hell of a player, had a great career and, and a great rep for UCF, and we're glad you're still hanging around the program and still and still cheering UCF on. Where can people follow you on social media? Where can people kind of stay in touch with you if they want to know what's going on with you? Uh, corporate underscore Q on all platforms, and then you know Facebook, Derek Hallman, of course. Awesome, man. Well, we wish you uh, best of luck. Hopefully, we'll see you at a game this year, but uh, if not, uh, go Knights. Oh yeah, I'd definitely be there at some games this year, and go Knights. Charge and up. the FAU game is close by for you, no? Yeah, I'll be there. That one? Oh, you know what? I went to the FAU game a few years back. A couple years ago. Yeah. Did you make it into your seat on time? Because I know a lot of people didn't get in on that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, I, I, I did go to that game. I did go to that game. All right. Awesome, Sounds man. cool, man. Maybe we'll catch up with you this year. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely be at a few home games, too. I right, appreciate you. Thanks, Derek. All right. Later. Appreciate y'all. This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajra, and in my spare time when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge on. All right, about a bing. We got the uh, the interview completed, Mike Derek Hallman. Uh, Good dude. Told some really cool stories. Got a really cool job now. That's awesome. Uh, air traffic controller. That sounds like a lot of stress. He seems like he's he's good with it. I'd probably be freaking out trying to land all those planes. Uh, but uh, it was definitely cool to catch up with uh, with him. Uh, like you said off the top, I mean, he was a part of a lot of really fun years at UCF. Um, you know, two seasons in 07 and 10 that obviously were, were really good. And that, that 10 season, you know, at, at that point in time was probably the best season we had had as a, well, it probably was, it definitely was the, the best season we had as a program. Uh, and so he was a part of a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. I just love to hear the way these guys still talk about their coaches. Like he clearly still has a bunch of respect for, for, for Dave Hoxtable and what he learned from him all these years later, you know, still saying that, you know, the, the imprint that, you know, Hux had on him uh, still carries him today. I think that stuff is so cool when, you know, even as, as, as managers, as bosses, as, as fathers, wives, husbands, daughters, whatever, you forget the impact you have on people. And it's really cool to hear stuff like that. Yeah. And same thing he says about O'Leary, you know, that he turned him into a man. He's hard on him at the time that he maybe didn't agree with all his rules and the facial hair and all that stuff, but it's something that made him into a better person and prepared him for his job that he has today, which cannot be, it's gotta be a stressful job. Yeah, mentioning all those planes, one little thing goes wrong, and who knows what, what kind of tragedy could happen. So, um, good for him. I'm glad to see he's doing well, and he was a good, very good player for us for a few years there. Like I said, team captain and just a solid, solid defensive player. 
All right. Something that isn't solid, Mike, is cow of the week. Uh, we do this every week, and uh, we make fun of something or point something out that just didn't go well, Mike. So I'll give you the floor first. Uh, who would you like to nominate for this week's cow of the week? Yeah, a lot of times the stuff we talk about on this segment is just lighthearted stuff. Somebody did something goofy. Somebody screwed up here. You made a stupid play or whatever. But sometimes uh, life is a lot, a little more serious. And this past week, Dwayne Haskins passed away. Um, quarterback he used to play for Ohio State, and he got hit while on five ninety five. And Adam Schefter was one of the guys to report it, one of the first to report it. And in his tweet. He mentioned what happened, but he says, Dwayne Haskins, a standout at Ohio State before struggling to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh in the NFL, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida. Now, that whole part of struggling to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh, is that really necessary in, in a tweet like this when you're talking about somebody's life? And I know he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of people, he got a lot of slack from this. You know, a lot of people went after him on Twitter because of this. And, you know, I'm sure he probably didn't think about it as much as he should have when he posted it, but still Cal of the Week worthy to bring up somebody's stats or you know, how they're faring in the league when you're talking about him dying. You know, I, I think you can stay away from those little remarks when you're posting news like this. So for that reason, Adam Schefter will be the Cal of the Week this week. Yeah, he really took the fun out of this one. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, first off, just just terrible news about Dwayne Haskins. Um, you know, for anybody who's in South Florida, five ninety five is like one of the most trafficked highways, uh, and and so whatever was going on, whatever had him uh, out on the highway, um, we still don't know yet. But certainly a tragic event. And Schefter's had a few of these lately, dude, where he's said something or done something that it just feels like you know it just he has no clue like he's rushing so quickly i think because he's the news breaking guy that he just doesn't have any common sense and this is another situation where he just didn't exercise any sort of common sense was just make a complete bonehead and what makes it worse is he he put out like a 3 minute like um you know, podcast that he does and, you know, dedicated to, to Dwayne Haskins, but it was radio silent for like two days. And I get that sometimes, you know, maybe Twitter's not the best space for a, for an apology, but you know, it, it kind of felt hollow that he didn't address it in any you know shape or fashion prior to that. Um, but he's had a few of these lately, man, where he's just done something that's completely idiotic. Um, and the good news for him though, is he just got $9 million in a contract from ESPN. So um, I guess it pays to break news, but definitely, He's got to find a better, like, you know, Twitter writer or something because he's certainly not doing great at that. Yeah, he's got to be stressed out too, all these reporters, right? There's such a rush to get the story out first. A lot of times they're not even right about things. But um, he, he's got to have you know, probably a lot of things going on. And I'm sure there's going to be a time where I'll, and I'm sure there probably already has been on this show, maybe say something stupid. Maybe something you shouldn't have said maybe a couple of minutes ago when I was talking about your son watching the softball game. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> um, tweeting things is a little different. You should be able to, to um, you know, at least edit it, think about it a little bit more. It's not quite the same as just spewing stuff out of your mouth like we're doing here. So you would think he'd be a little more responsible with it. Um, all he needed during his apology was just to say, and there's a deep drive to left by Castellanos. Yeah. It's a 4-1. Manifest. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely made a favor. Um, but, you know, we all make mistakes. We all learn from it. That's why we have the Cow of the Week segment. So we can call you out, and then you can fix yourself and not be Cow again. 
we're we're really doing you a service, so you, you guys are all you're 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 all welcome for that, Mike. I've got two options. The first one, I don't know how I feel about this. So I'm gonna take you. You're gonna be my my judge on whether or not this is cow of the week worthy, or if I should even be mad about this, right? Uh, so the NBA uh, is wrapping up its regular season, and as as most um, athletes do in, in all sports, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, the guys have bonuses that you know if they you know score a certain number of goals, if you you know you you win a, some sort of a trophy, right? A, MVP or something, you get roster incentives or bonus incentives, or you or you make money. You get money, right? Drew Holiday, who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, he had a bonus in his contract, two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, if he played a, a a minimum number of games for the season. So basically, he had to he had to get to this game threshold, and if he got to that threshold. 225k mike so uh this was uh saturday night he's uh, basically needs one more game to to get to the threshold milwaukee's already clinched everything they need to clinch they're getting ready for the playoffs at this point drew holiday comes out they they have the jump ball cleveland gets possession he runs over fouls the guy and checks out of the game and never comes back and makes 225k I understand, like, if I had a chance to make 225K and someone was going to make it, like, as easy as possible for me, I would take that chance all day, every day. But I feel like something about that just doesn't, that's not, that, that's not the spirit of what we were trying to do here. So I'm not sure if that's cow worthy or not. Uh, well, it's this coach doing him a solid. It is. Right? So that, there's that. You, you build up some good uh, rapport with your coach that way. Um, it's kind of like, do you think that's worse? Then who was it? Um, Jose, uh, what's his last name? The guy from the Mets when he, when he won the batting title, Jose Reyes? punted in the first. Jose Reyes, yeah, Jose Reyes, yeah. Um, he, all he needed was one hit, so he got up in the first inning, bunted, and then took himself out of the game after that. Is that as bad or worse yes. or better? Um, yes, which one? Man, um. Yeah, because in that case, you are like Drew Holiday isn't and ruining is a tough word here, isn't impacting anybody else's season. He's just he's just impacting his owner's money, right? I could be busting my ass like playing the best baseball of my life, and you know I'm I'm trying as hard as I can, and you know all and Jose Reyes just comes up and puts a bunt down, and 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 that impacts other guys who are trying you know to to win something, right? There's a competition involved that feels a little bit different than. Drew Holiday just basically is taking money from his owner who's willing to give it to him. So I think Jose Reyes would be worse than Drew Holiday. Yeah. I'm sure there were other points in the season where Holiday took a day off, you know, a maintenance day here and there that, you know, he could have played, he could have played those other games whenever he wanted, I guess. The the worst part of the whole Drew Holiday is how he spells his name, right? Yeah. Like J-R-U-E. It is Drew. (laughs) Yes, it is is Drew Holiday. (laughs) All right, so my other submission, Mike, and you have to Google this or, or search this on Twitter. Um, Rory McIlroy had a uh, an impressive comeback on the final round of the Masters, and uh, and was trying to make a charge to get up into uh, into the top spot. Ultimately, fell short, Mike. But he pitches in a fantastic shot on uh, on eighteen uh, from the bunker, uh, and uh, and basically saves himself, gets himself a birdie there, Mike. And he has a celebration. Uh, that's taking place in this bunker. You're gonna have to Google it or have to have to search it to see. He's he's trying to like do some sort of a helicopter thing, but the club goes flying out of his hands. The other arm goes across his body, and then he just goes with an awkward like hands over the head like fist pump. Are, are you are you able to see this, Mike? Are you are you able to search that up? I'm googling as we speak right now. I don't know how else to describe uh, what I'm seeing there. 
but it's uh, it's not good. It's it seems like he was clearly not prepared for that to go in, which is probably fine. You're I think it's on the 18th. Uh, yes, on on 18. Um, it it just doesn't. Uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know what he's trying to do. But it's like one of these awkward golf celebrations where you know people say golfers aren't athletes, and this is probably why because Rory McIlroy had a really uh, awkward uh, uh, celebration. That's a shot. It's a great shot. Yeah. No, it's oh, a great wow. shot. There he goes. Yeah. There he goes. All right. <laughs> he's going. Uh, let's see. They didn't really show it much on that first shot. Then he picked up his club. He gave the caddy a hug. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's maybe there's a replay coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a sprinkler. Probably you try to like spin around and he just dropped the club. I don't know. He's trying to like throw it, but he does like a bit of a sprinkler situation. Yeah, it's just <laughs> I don't know what's happening there. So that's my cow of the week. Somebody Google. Why? <laughs> Somebody Google the Rory McIlroy uh, celebration. Do you, do you point to a hell of a shot, though? Yeah, I mean, when you make a shot like that, and that's on 18, um, you know, your day is done from there. So, well, at that point, he uh, was he was three back of Scheffler. Scheffler was on 12. There was still an outside shot. Maybe Scheffler unfolds or something. He's got a chance. So, I can see, uh, I can see that. Actually, the next guy, Colin Morikama, who was playing with him, uh, hit like the exact same shot. It also went in. So, fun fact. I found myself watching more golf lately. My kids are making fun of me this weekend. I don't. Are you you don't watch golf? I imagine right? there's no chance on hell Mike is watching golf. I've watched golf about as much as I've watched women's basketball. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> In my life, uh, I can remember watching golf. Not I mean, for maybe twenty minutes. Once when uh, Tiger, I think it was the U.S. Open. We were Get in the hole, Tiger. Like, uh, it must have been 99, whatever one of those famous ones where he just ran away. I think he won by, like, 35 strokes or something. But I remember him watching him the last couple of holes just because, you know, everybody was talking about it. But other than that, no, I've never really watched golf. Golf is great if you want to put on and take a nap on mm. Sunday afternoon. I feel like um, it could have been no. 35 strokes. I think that's a record. Um. <laughs> he won by a lot. Yeah. I think he, I'm not even joking. Twenty strokes. Yeah, uh, that was in like '97, though. He won by that much, but um, yeah, you know, yeah. It's certainly my my kids made fun of me, uh, but uh, there's some there's some good drama there. Like these guys can do something I can't do. Like not that I can play any sport, but I certainly can't golf. And to watch the pressure these guys are under uh, is fantastic. Speaking of pressure, Mike, we are under pressure because we have moved the live show this week to Wednesday, so you and I have to perform a day earlier than usual. Uh, that means everything is sped up. We got to, you know, you know, do all of our prep work in advance. But you, as a viewer or listener, you won't even notice it. So tune in on Wednesday. Me, Mike, and Trace will be there 8 p.m. A special edition. Get you all uh, squared away for the spring game. I believe we've got one Nicholas Patty joining us this week, Mike. So some good football talk. So make sure you find us on Wednesday night, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, 8 p.m. We will be there to entertain you. If you're listening to this past Wednesday night, don't worry about it. You can always go back and and catch the replay. It's on YouTube at all times, or there's an audio version too. We have got you covered from any single direction you're thinking of. The Suns UCF, we're here for you. That's right. And the live shows have been a uh, blast. I love doing the live shows. We get to see Trace. Uh, we don't get to talk to him on Monday nights. Um, he's going on vacation. That's why we moved it up an extra day. But that guy runs the show on usually Thursdays, now Wednesday night this week. Um, always brings some good guests. Last week, if you missed the Monster the Barber interview, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. <laughs> that was worth it. Yeah. Probably my favorite guest that we've had on, on that show. Wow. The top five? <laughs> I, need, I need that top five list for next. <laughs> you said that on the show, too. I think you said he was your favorite guest. He brought some interesting yeah. insight. Like, and it's funny is, 
you know, he, somebody uh, uh, said something. I, I forget it was uh, it was a dungeon or on Twitter about the stories that guy must have. You know, I mean, just by all the people sitting in this chair and what they talk about. So uh, he he was interesting. If you're curious on Josh Heupel's haircut regimen, we got you covered. Uh, so uh, so definitely check out check out the the live show from last week. <laughs> it was very entertaining. That guy. I hope to have him back up. Well, hopefully this show has been entertaining enough for uh, for everybody else out there. We appreciate you listening in, all your support. Again, anything you can do to follow us on social media uh, is much appreciated. And uh, and reach out. Let us know how it's going. If you have some feedback for the show, things we can do better, things that you like, uh, don't be don't be shy. Get in our DMs. Uh, let us know how we're doing. And uh, we, we definitely love to hear from people and get some feedback. If you're at the spring game this uh, Saturday, I will be out there. Uh, so maybe I'll bump into a few of you. And uh, we'll have a chance to say hello. And uh, and if if not, you know, Wednesday night you can see me on the live show. Where, where are you going to be sitting? In your regular cabana seats? You're in. The, are you trying out a different section? I am. You don't want to tell people you go on uh, incognito. No, not in, not incognito. Can't change his pretty face, Mike. Uh, the family and I we're going to test out the Tower Club. Ooh, yeah, nice. Tower Club bucks. tickets are relatively uh, cheap and inexpensive. Uh, this is the only time I'll probably afford four seats in the Tower Club. So we figured, what the heck, we'll splurge. I have no idea if it'll have the uh, usual accoutrement that it has during a regular game. But uh, for the experience, and it's not in the sun. Last year, my daughter and I went and sat in the cabana, uh, and we like about died out there. So this year, we'll go on the, on the non-sun side and see if we enjoy the game a little bit better. But we will be uh, up in the Tower Club. Yeah, I've never been in the tower. I've never been in that yeah, whole yeah. rock tower. I, I've never so report back. Let me know how it is. I I will. Sure I will. Nice. I, now I wonder if they will put out the usual spread and yeah. all that stuff. I'm sure it's probably scaled back a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm not expecting the usual spread. I mean, it sounds like they have some some beverages for purchase. I'd be interested in that. You know, if they throw out a couple of chips and a cookie or something, everyone will love that. You know, as you can get some food for purchase. If it's really hot, you can go in the air conditioning. Kids will be happy with that. You can still kind of sit in the uh, on sort of the the seats right there with the the overhang and get some sun. So, or, I would say get out of the sun. Uh, so I, I think it'll be a a good experience. Give me give a shot. We'll see how it goes. All right, I'm interested to find out what you think. I will. I will report not that back. I'm gonna upgrade my ticket. Yeah, uh, no, you're not. I will report back. Maybe I'll do a live Instagram or something. I'll figure something out. I'll I'll let everyone know how the experience is. Awesome. All right. Well, you guys have a good time. Have a safe trip over there. Maybe we'll see you in the softball complex afterwards. Maybe, Maybe we'll see you at the John. Yeah, uh, I will be, be at over. the John. That's sure. Paying those drinks, I may be at the John quite frequently. But uh, but either way, uh, you know, we'll be around. And if we don't talk to everybody, I think Easter is upcoming this weekend, Mike. So everybody have a happy Easter weekend. And uh, as always, we uh, we wish you all the best. Go Knights. Charge on.